Welcome back. My name is Chris. Yeah, I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the show where each week we find the best, the brightest, the strangest shows and films available to watch from your home in an ocean of streaming networks vying for your attention. We are your lighthouse, your beacons of broadcast, your curators of content. The beacons are lit. Word. Gondor calls for streaming. (laughs) (laughs) The beacons being your routers in this case. Right. And Ruan shall answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Netflix shall answer. <laughs> How did it come to this? We're streaming Peacock. <laughs> How did it come to this? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Denethor watching Tubi. I have a question for, for you, Steve, I think. Vanilla. So I found a movie. <laughs> what? Strawberry all the way, dude. <laughs> that is only available to stream via Tubi. Do you have Tubi? Is this correct? I do. Tubi this is, or not Tubi? Tubi. Ah, that is the <laughs> that question. That is my question. <laughs> so Tubi is like Crackle, right? Like they're all just free, but there's ads every 15 minutes. Yeah. Is there, are they um, whole, meaning there's no editing or... or do you mean the ads just kind of censoring like halfway through? Correct. There's no editing of the film, right? I've never watched a movie on Tubi. I've only watched a television show that would have had... Commercials, commercials anyway. and right, the commercials right. are appropriately placed. Sure. But I've never watched a movie. So I assume that if you were, they would just sneak in. Cause I, this is an obscure anime that I really want to watch. And I'm worried that it won't be entire and that I would never know the difference. Right. Yeah. And so that scares me. So I wanted to see what your experience was. There's you only were one way. There's only one way to find out my friend, take the leap. And take then the leap also and watch pay it absolutely nothing to watch it on Tubi. <laughs> but then I would have to watch it again. And this is one of those things that's like it's a very expensive Blu-ray shipped from abroad, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not available anywhere else. It's one of those things. Is it on Crunchyroll? No, I mean, you know how Apple TV does the thing where it's like open in and it shows you all the places it's available mm-hmm. on your device. And I have every app known to man. And so therefore it leads me to assume. But do you have Crunchyroll? I mean, that's just only anime streaming. I do not technically, I guess, because Crunchyroll only has part of their um, selection on HBO Max, right? Because they have a tube on HBO Max. Crunchy I'll do Roll. that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's called Wicked City, if you're wondering. Wicked City, is it about Boston? <laughs> yeah, Wicked yeah, City. Wicked City. Wicked we got Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> Will you get your coffee? That's a terrible Boston accent. I'm sorry. Is Dunkin' Donuts a Bostonian I company? I the difference. I, I, I don't know if it's a Bostonian company, but that's always the joke. Like if uh, Casey Affleck's ever on SNL, there's usually, ah, Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Where you park your car. Sorry. Uh, yeah, today is a, a wonderful show for you. We've got planned. Uh, let's get right into the that's business. So pleasant. You said that so pleasantly. Yeah, I'm trying to be a little more professional, right? Mm-hmm. I've been like last week. You I was, are wearing a suit. Last week I farted on air. You so, did. So <laughs> steep blame me. And I've been I've been inviting uh, successful guests in the industry, and I just wonder is that the one they tuned into just to see if they wanted to join? <laughs> did they catch that part? <laughs> did they decide at that moment they were not going to respond to my email? Oh, that's why we had. <laughs> A hundred downloads less last week. <laughs> um, you can email us, by the way, if you'd like to talk about the thoughts or anything else uh-uh. at streamingthingpod at gmail.com. That's streamingthingpod at gmail.com. Um, streaming things. It's plural, actually. Yes. Uh, Important but you, you caught that, listener. You can also call the voicemail, which is the number that Steve has memorized to advertise to you now. And I'm not stalling it. at all. Eight five nine seven five seven four zero five one. What was that again? 
859-757-4051. You can only use that number to leave a voicemail if you're calling from within the confines of the continental United States. Definitely yes. not free on Skype International. Mm-hmm. That is incorrect yeah. information. Also incorrect. Here's what I learned uh, this morning. I was today years old. The movie last week that I talked about that I saw, Julia Ducuna's new film, Titan. Yes. It's actually called Titan. <laughs> Titan? <laughs> oh, no. Is it? Yeah, apparently. Huh. Oh. The E is uh, just... You they skip over that? I mean, en français. Andy should have helped me there, but he didn't. Titon. 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 Yeah. So probably. Yeah. yeah. You should have helped me, Andy. He I got took, you, boo. Took six years of French. You just watched me say titane at least a dozen, a baker's dozen times. I mean, times. titane is a word. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like you pronounce it the anglicized way. Why not? You don't, you know, I, I can't think of any examples right now, but you know, you don't say prosciutto. You say prosciutto. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I guess, but. It's still wrong, right? Yeah, I guess. It's, it's still, it's mozzarella. Steve, you shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> aluminium. Aluminium. Bullshit. <laughs> aluminium. Uh, you can also join our Patreon. And by the way, here's a good opportunity to plug this. We have a vote going on right now. A poll, if you will. And that's P-O-L-L, not the other kind of poll, plug Phil. Poll, so bro. calm down. Uh, so <laughs> our next Patreon episode is either going to be Collateral, the Michael Mann film, The Goonies, which is also a true romance or The Island or The Island, a uh, Michael, Michael Bay, Bay film, <laughs> Michael Bay joint. And our Patreon <laughs> subscribers can, can vote. Oh, Michael Bay is <laughs> the Michael Bay joint can vote on which of those films that we're going to do next for our Patreon episode. Right. Yeah. And the vote is a cooking. So, yeah, you, you have until yeah, you have until next Wednesday to uh, to October vote. the 20th. As of now, the Goonies is winning. The Goonies. Mm-hmm. However, that could change if you guys want to hop on board and uh, listen to these bonus uh, episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You can do so. Just join Patreon right now. The five dollar and up tier will allow you to access those polls and bonus episodes. So sign up now. Vote for whatever movie you, you want. You heard it here first. First, patreon.com slash streaming things. You can access Steve's poll. That's what I was. That was my joke (laughs) for a mere five dollars. You have access to our polls. I joke stole. I'm sorry, dog. (laughs) I'm easy. I'm easy like that. Just five bucks. Just give me five dollars. Hang on my poll all day. There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. So if you want the Goonies to stay in the lead or if you'd like perhaps collateral to take a a surprise. What's the word? Underdog win. Underdog. I was going to say, who watches horse racing? Somebody throw some terms at me. (laughs) Um, If you want to vote on the ponies or bet on the ponies, you don't vote on ponies. No, no, nobody votes ponies. I vote for Bissy Biscuit. (laughs) Bisky Biscuit. Biscuit Biscuit. (laughs) Did you say Bisky Biscuit? Bisky Biscuit. Biscuit. Everyone knows that famous horse that won that race. That's the Bisky Bisky Biscuit. Biscuit. Yeah. I was talking to my wife one day and she was a little stoned. I forget how what the context was, but I was trying to find a cl- I was like the movie with the whole oh, I was trying to uh think of the name of um never ending story. Mm. I was like, you know, honey, the the movie where the horse dies and everyone on earth is sad. It was like a hallmark of the 80s. It's a horrible scene. And she she's all high and she's like, see biscuit? <laughs> I lost it. Yes, honey. Seabiscuit. That Hallmark movie from the 80s. You can also follow us on Twitter at StreamThingPod. That's Twitter at StreamThingPod. And that's all the business news I have today. Except for our salute weekly to our current heroes on Patreon. We salute you. And that is Phil. 
I love that guy. He suggested Spawn last week, though. I still love him, despite mm-hmm. that. Carmelita. Hell yeah, Carmelita. Whoop, whoop. Carrie. Oh, yeah. Carrie, we're not going to dump blood all over you. <laughs> Enza. It's spelled differently anyway. Enza. Enza. My, my sister from another mister. How you mm-hmm. doing? <laughs> Most active Twitter friend. Daniel. Daniel. Someone who is so secretive, he doesn't interact with us, but he supports us heavily. Yeah. But also, I like ask to imagine, that we not salute him and we do it every week. I like to imagine that we he has. Sing him Danny's song. Mm. Mm. Even though we ain't got money. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I like to imagine that he has a brother also named Daniel and together they are the Daniels and they direct weird uh, indie films. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm. With Daniel Redcliffe. <gasps> <gasps> Daniels. Katie. Hello, Katie. And hi. Last but most certainly not least, Cake. We thank you, Cake. We thank you. We love Cake. And we salute you. I want to thank you, Cake, specifically for, you know, uh, not only giving us money on Patreon, but also having that username, thus forcing Andy to sing Cake. <laughs> thank you, Cake. And no no joke, Andy, I'm not lying, where every now and then I'll be driving and I'll just go, Cake. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. <laughs> it was catchy. It was. It was a very catchy uh, tune you, you diddled out. Thanks, homie. Andy Doobie Diddling. He diddles on that guitar. Oh, yeah. So this episode, if you want to stay tuned, what we have for our main event, uh, we have watched Denis Villeneuve's film Blade Runner 2049 in honor of Dune coming out. Uh, 2021. Yeah. Dune 2021 <laughs> coming out later next week, I believe. Uh, yeah october 22nd it, well, it'll be the, the the friday following the release of this episode true so this week yeah forward in time uh, i've already got my dune tickets you assholes don't sure <laughs> i don't. don't however i'm very happy because i think i can rejoin uh stubs I can, yeah I can, oh, really did I some budgeting mine yeah. <laughs> loser sucks out of the entourage Steve. forever right? so i canceled Steve. mine because as you guys know i moved into the apartment and yeah. i just wanted to kind of be a little conservative with assess my money the budget. and assess the budget and i reviewed the budget this this uh I, I still need to do like a deep dive review of it but i was kind of doing an overview this morning and i'm like you know what i think i can do the i think i could here's the way i think of it steve i gotta watch these movies Andy, anyway you, you listen here i'm listening yeah how much does AMC Stubbs A-List cost? It's like 20 bucks a month. 20 bucks a month. The price of one IMAX ticket plus about $3, which you're definitely going to get popcorn and stuff too, right? Eh. As a movie lover, are you guaranteed to see one movie per month? Uh, yes, but Chris, who's that guy behind you in the suit pointing the gun to your head? It looks like he has a, a name tag. Is that an AMC guy behind you? <laughs> I'm just saying it's a good deal. He just cocked the gun. <laughs> I, the only reason I even thought of it this way, I'm not like Gary Vee or anything. The only reason I thought Andy was canceling it while I was on the phone and he was trying to buy tickets to see last night in Soho with me because I already purchased my seat, which is delectably right in the center of the middle of Adobe Digital Theater, by the way. Yeah, you got a And now. by myself. And uh, I think it was like 17 something to buy the ticket. And because it was taking place after the last date of his AMC Steps A-list membership, he was going to pay the 17 bucks. And I just haughtily joked, yeah. Yeah, $3 less than your monthly fee to see an unlimited amount of movies. And then I really, I was joking. But later I thought about it. I was like, that is true though. That, like, Super true. If I cancel it, I'm going to spend more money. 
like mm-hmm. f- for a fact. But also the next couple months, as we mentioned, the last few episodes are stacked in movies mm-hmm. that are releasing. And like, honestly, like I, I want to see all these movies. And so it's worth it, at least and at least through December. Steve, <laughs> did you know that when you cancel AMC stubs, there is a period of time in which you are not allowed to resubscribe? I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Those you got multiple emails. All my email accounts. Yeah, that, that, I don't know if Andy it's just made. email or not. I have no idea. How that oh, knows. shit. Why is the guy behind you writing? <laughs> sir, Chris, Chris, tell the guy, please don't write that down. I don't have multiple email addresses. Please, sir. Uh, he left. AMC short squeeze. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag. He ran. He was happy. Uh, so that's later. We're going to do a full review of Blade Runner 2049. But first, our crossing streams segment. <laughs> Crossing Streams is the segment where each week we take off our... <laughs> I don't know why I started to do take that. Take off our hats? <laughs> to all the things we've been watching since last we met. Milady. Andy. <laughs> Respectfully, take it first. What up, dudes? How you guys doing today? Good, how are you, talk man? Back. Oh, oh, you're good. talking to us. Yeah, certainly talking to you. Okay, well, what's up, man? <laughs> oh, nothing. Chilling. Andy just walked in. Yeah. <laughs> good to see you, buddy. Hey, now, good to he see you guys. He took off his hat and sat down. <laughs> How's life? My lady. You guys doing okay? Good. I'm doing wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. I watched the worst movie of all time this week. What, what was that? It was Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Ooh, was that that's a sequel that just came out recently, right? It is. Did you watch the first one? No. <laughs> also, no wonder you didn't like it. You were lost. Well, here's good news. The first 15 minutes is a very thorough recap of the original. In case you forgot the in movie. In case you forgot. Two years ago. So there was a room and people got to escape it. Uh, mm-hmm. Some did, some didn't. It was Christopher Walken narrating a very the quick end. recap. You escaped my room all wrong. This watch was in someone's ass. (laughs) Your father. Uh, So, Tournament of Champions, Escape Room Tournament of Champions is what it sounds like. It's another escape room movie, but this time it's all the winners of the escape room are having to do it again. So it's escape room catching fire. I was going to (laughs) say. 100%. You were there. Okay. Um, Yeah, it is uh, essentially these all these guys actually have done it before, and they're the ones that won. So are they the 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 returning cast members from the previous movie? Yeah, like two theoretically, I I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because I haven't seen it. They may have spliced them into that. They weren't in that first few minutes. Um, (laughs) What if that little fifteen minute opening was actually something they completely made up, and it wasn't the first movie at all? (laughs) I didn't know that I had to see the first one. I didn't know that. I I, I just thought it was going to be a schlocky fun horror romp i also didn't know it was pg-13 super bombed super bombed a lot of opportunity for good kills that are like hinted at like we might no we're not but because pg-13 sucked they cut away at all the good parts but so it's in escape room fashion it is a group of people stuck in an area and they need to uh look at these clues to figure out how to escape but because they are the quote-unquote champions it is a non-stop deluge of Oh, the sign is missing that letter. So obviously that means that, well, if you count the number of things that are hanging here, there's one for each of the alphabet. So obviously, since the I is missing from that, go down to the, what would I be? That's the seventh letter of the alphabet. Go pull that one. Sweet. Anyway, let's move on to the next thing. And that is nonstop the entire movie. So it's just, just an escape room. Drastic. Right. But it's like if, if every character was Sherlock Holmes non-stop they're just like this therefore that go this therefore that go 
And it's just, are they doing the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes thing where time slows down and they're like overweight man, 75 pounds. Or are they in a mind palace of Cumberbatchian proportions? Oh, there you go. What layer of Sherlock are we talking about here? We're talking like surface level Sherlock, you know, I'm I'm sure Arthur Conan Doyle. We're talking Doyle. (laughs) We're we're talking Doyle. Um, They're very imperialistic. We're talking like (laughs) Enola Holmes Sherlock. You know what I mean? I never saw Um, that one. Neither did I. It's Henry Cavill looking all caked out. Millie Bobby B. It's actually pretty awesome. Millie Bobby Brown. Um. Anyway. Millie Bobby uh, Super boring kills. Uh, what's hysterical is that I rented. I, I paid $6 for this movie, mind you. I got a worse story coming up. I rented the extended cut. 25 minutes <laughs> added. I With a runtime of. I hit play. And the runtime, Steve, an hour 35 and they added 25 That minutes? was with 25 How minutes added. How is this a added. theatrical release? I don't know. I don't know, Steve. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they added. Maybe they slowed down the credits in the original Maybe version. they added a room. <laughs> I don't know. They actually they added the 15 that. minutes of the recap. <laughs> there you go. They actually removed 25 minutes from the theatrical and put 25 completely different minutes in. Right. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I was like... The best thing that I can say about the people that made this movie is that the editors were like, y'all, we need to trim this shit down. Speed it up. And they did. And they trimmed it down to a merciful hour short film. And I watched the extended cut. There is a a mercifulness to a a small uh, runtime. Um, so it's actually direct and I'm kind of, bum- I didn't know this until just now when we sat down directed by Adam Robitaille who did the taking of Deborah Logan. That movie's fucking awesome. What the fuck happened to Adam Robitaille? That's you what I want to know. You got an escape room paycheck, my friend. I got questions. I need answers. Anyway, I also watched the uh, only answers to be found are like in weird clues about the alphabet and mm-hmm. math. And, uh, there's probably a card game at some mm-hmm. point, you know, there is room. a room of lasers a la Resident Evil 1 movie. Classic scene. Not a single person gets burned by the lasers. Not a one. Spoilers! Because it's fucking PG-13. Or do they? Does anyone, is there any sort of, sort of like, look at the stakes. Like, like if the laser hit you, it will cut you. Uh, Yes, there is that. Okay. Uh, That would be really weird. It's like, someone just says it like, don't cut you in half. And then like, no one or nothing. It's Mila Jovovich. But dude, it leads up (laughs) to this. Mila Jovovich. (laughs) Y'all seen Resident Evil? (laughs) Don't fucking touch that. It leads up to this, uh, like, big, what's supposed to be, like, an earth-shattering twist at the end. It's like, oh, all of these rooms that you just went through. Are you about to reveal the ending? No, I was going to say, all <laughs> of these rooms that you just went through, they meant... No, sorry. <laughs> they meant... Yeah, the movie's bullshit. That's the spoiler. Um, all, all these rooms you just went through, yeah, they meant something to this person, and... Surprise, this person was actually important. I'm just sitting there the whole time, like shaking my head, like, oh my God, let it end. And I watched the whole thing. I really wanted to stop. In fact, at the very beginning, I was like, you know what? I should probably pause this and go rent the original and watch that and then watch this. Did you watch this by yourself or was so, this a... No, me and my girlfriend watched okay. it. It was a movie night thing. It was thing. a date situation. We just wanted to watch something spoopy. Spoopy. And we fucked up and I picked that and that's on me. She gets to pick the movie next time. Did, what, was she mad at you? Like, no. why, why did you choose this sack of no, shit? No, we had fun. Uh, you did know, you make fun like, of it? Oh, yeah. Okay. 100%. Good. And like sometimes that's a better experience for sure. And and if it's a movie, but like if it's a movie that I really want to see or that is particularly good, um, I'll be, I'm never that person. Right. But I'm just sitting here like, yeah, just going ham like we do when we watch movies together. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's just me and her. Anyway, 
trash. Don't watch it. Skip it. Um, other thing I watched, I also fi- I finished season three, the Jimmy Smith season of Dexter. And so, I am fucking City Hall. I, dude, that was so badass. Yeah. I love that scene on the rooftop. So mm-hmm. dope. Uh, Jimmy so Smith is a treasure. I am on to season four uh, featuring John Lithgow um, as the Trinity Killer, naked in his first scene. Let me tell you guys, cakes. <laughs> cakes. We got Lithgow cakes. Mm-hmm. Solid. I could tell that from the voice in Shrek. And so far, <laughs> so far, uh, he's killing it. It's really cool. In this season, Dexter's newly married and has a baby and uh, is dealing with, he's a sleep-deprived serial killer. Pretty cool. I'm enjoying I it I can much. relate. <laughs> yep. Can I ask, is it Harry and the Hendersons? Closing he's in that. Anyway, Dexter's dope. Does he have uh, a third rock from the sun? If you catch them, <laughs> it's a good. It's Steve, a good. what have you been streaming? Uh, well, guys, if you know anything about me, your boy Steve, I like to finish. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> no, I actually finished a lot of shows this week. Um, I finished mm. uh, Squid Game. Okay. Mm. I finished Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. I finished What If. Oh. So that I mean that's three shows. What you think of uh, Ted Lasso's finale? Andy, did you not finish that? I did finish. I've left that part out. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also finished Ted Lasso. So I'm gonna not go into spoiler territory uh, of for course. this show. So my that would overall be bullshit. my overall thoughts for this season of Ted Lasso is that it's good. I don't like it nearly as much as the first season. Mm-hmm. Andy, um, uh, I thought <laughs> I thought it was excellent. Um, I, I think that it was a little more. Uh, bounced uh thematically a bit more than the previous season balanced bounced yeah it was inconsistent um but still very very good yeah there were individual episodes i thought were really really amazing and there were definitely moments that were awesome but overall i felt like the show was very they took a lot of swings Mm-hmm. And I think that's very, very commendable. And some of the swings I thought were amazing. And then other swings I thought were like, eh, I don't really like that direction, but I'm, you know, it's not enough to like knock me off the horse. I see what you're both saying. I think that for me, season two was a little, as they would say in London, mature. Mm-hmm. Oh, for um, sure. And that I really admire what they're trying to do, at least maybe I don't know if they're trying to do it or not, but what it, how it came off to me, which is, um, exploring the nuances of mental health yeah, and how important that is and how invisible mental health struggle can be, um, which is something near and dear to my heart. Cause I recently entered the mental health field and I was going through all this, this training and, you know, realized my own potential issues that need to be addressed with perhaps therapy, things like that. So I just really appreciated that, that tact. I thought it was bold. Like you guys said, big swings and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I still think I think it kept the heart and everything that I loved from season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think season one is definitely a, a, a more it's a tighter, but also less complicated story. So they're able to kind of give things a lot more focus. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, this is the season I feel like where they're trying to branch out into different space, places. So I think next season, because there's definitely going to be a season three, I'm sure next season is where they're going to kind of bring things together. And I think season three is going to be the best if I had to put money on it. Uh, but this I'll is definitely, yeah, this is definitely, I felt like a, a staging ground for better things to come. Um, but, but in and of itself, there was, there was a lot of things in it that I was like, didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was cool. And then something else happened. I didn't expect that to that happen. Coach Beard like episode. Wild. I'd like to talk to you guys all about it off air because yeah. I did some really annoying uh, 
film and TV fan things with my wife where I like paused it and made a bunch of predictions um, just because <laughs> I knew she wouldn't believe me or maybe she wouldn't care at all. <laughs> if, I, I knew that was going to happen. So like around episode eight, you know, I was like, paused it, turned to her. I was like, this is how this is going to end. And I even threw it an extra douchey because that's how I would do it. And I pressed, <laughs> oh my God. And I pressed play. Were you wrong I every time? I was 100% correct. Oh. And she gave me a little wifey like, okay, honey, nux kind when of did thing. you make this prediction? Just how early in the show? About episode eight or so. Oh, but so it, was, it wasn't like episode two. No, no, no. That would be impossible. But it was the, it was a. Um, I could have done it. It was, <laughs> it was a major turn. You, you probably know what I'm yeah, talking about. For sure. About. Um, yeah, there was a, the, the thing about the season that was, did you call that that no, turn? Yes, no. I did. I didn't call if it. If it's the turn that I'm thinking of, then yes. Turn. I, actually, I actually don't like the turn, but, um, really I got to We got to turn this episode but, off and just talk. I know. <laughs> the, the thing that was great about the season is like literally every episode, even within the episode to episode, like, Oh, this is the storyline for the season. Oh no, it's not. Oh, this is the overarching story. Yeah. Oh, it's not. I think you're right. Mm. Season one had a very, not simple necessarily, but defined. Okay. He's a transplanted Midwestern American football coach. He's coaching, uh, whatever you call European football. football. There we go. European football, just football. LOL. Isn't that a funny <laughs> scenario? And then you find out that the head coach is actually actively working against him. And that's in fact, why she hired him drama right like mm-hmm. so that's pretty easy whereas in season two there's juicy everybody's pretty happy they got all they wanted from but you know yeah. let's get deeper into this how can a happy marriage have conflict let's show an episode about that and things like that right so yeah they're also mm-hmm. elevating a lot of the minor characters yeah dude they tried to humanize a ton of the team yeah uh, uh sam sam's character i think is the one that benefits the most because he was very much a side i'm just also on mm-hmm. the team character in season one but i'm struggling two, a little a bit major player here yeah and he's actually yeah the Obisanya talent took yeah. Obisanya, yeah that's his last name uh but sam they they elevate coach beard they have like elevate roy um pretty Ro- much danny pretty much uh, ted lasso takes a major step back in this season i feel mm-hmm. like and sure he does come back in and have his moments for sure and he's definitely the the linchpin of the series, but he definitely takes a step back from the, the spotlight to, to elevate these other voices that are on the show. And I think, and I think that's a good thing to do because mm-hmm. I mean, if the show just continues to be about, Oh, you know, I'm just Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what two teepees are? <laughs> what was a teepee and a wing bomb? He's two tents. You know, it's just, if it's just that character for 40 minutes, every episode, like that show is going to wear thin, you know? Mm-hmm. So I understand why they are broadening the scope of the show. Yeah. Hundred percent. Props to the writers' room. Yeah. But this isn't the Ted Lasso show. Did you did you like Squid Game as well? Loved Squid Game. Okay. I Do I really need to get, get on it? it? Okay. Yeah. I thought you were in episode. I'm on episode four. like four. Yeah. I still am. Oh man, dude. When you, I'm just gonna say, when you get to that Marbles episode, holy shit. Will I lose mine? Yes, you will. You will. Marbles. Yes. <laughs> I mean, legitimately, Andy. I know Dexter is really engrossing, and you got a goal. Uh, but I mean, this is, I think. S tier horror, like it's, and and I don't even mean that. Like it hasn't been spooky yet. It's S tier. It's S tier show, like S tier TV. Um, Definitely, it's S tier suspense because like that show is very great about 
you know, obviously people are put in a suspenseful situation and they keep raising it and raising that tension. It's a, it's a masterclass in how you can keep tension going on for what is it? Nine consecutive episodes, basically nine. Yeah. Cause it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And it, and it you know, it, it doesn't really fucking let you go. And mm. by the end of it, you're like, God, fuck man. Who, God, fuck. Mm-hmm. God, fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, a common American curse word for our listeners that are abroad. Uh, and lastly, uh, this isn't something I've streamed, but it's a story I want to share with you guys because okay. it's it's oh yes, oh, I'm excited. He wouldn't tell us when D'Angelo. we got here. He, he was saving it. So I don't know if you listeners know, but I have a concrete T Rex. Um, it's statue. I, it's a statue. <laughs> it's a statue. Some some of you might be familiar with the the thing that people do where they have like a concrete goose or something out in their front yard mm-hmm. and they dress it up for holidays or a garden gnome, a garden gnome. Well, I have, it's like, how would you, what would you say? Like a two and a half, three, three foot, foot tall, yeah, three feet, maybe a hundred pounds. No, it's, it's like, like 500 plus pounds. pounds. No, it's legitimately 500 plus pounds. Yeah, it's super duper. I heavy. could pick it up. Sure. You uh, could. It would just throw your back out. <laughs> you would definitely need help. <laughs> it's, it's very heavy. The movers hated it. Um, but Rexy, as I call her, I dress her up for holidays and everything right now. She's got a nice little fall autumn scarf on. She's adorable. She's a lovely lady. Um, <laughs> and my new apartment is a sub-level apartment. So like my front windows, uh, if you look out my front window, you're eye level with the T-Rex. Are we below ground right now? We are below ground, yes. Hobbit hole. Hobbit Uh hole, baby. Yeah, baby. So yesterday I was home and I'm sitting right here in this room and my blinds are open and I'm on the phone with my mom actually and I look out the window and I see this woman walk up who I don't know and she takes a brown Kroger bag, a brown grocery bag, and puts it over Rexy's head as if to shame her. (laughs) (laughs) You know what you did. She puts the the bag on her head, turns around and walks away. And I'm and I watch this go down like, what the fuck? What (laughs) in my first in my mind I'm thinking, is like a neighbor Upset like about upset it. that I have this, what's going, so I, so I'm like, mom, I gotta let you go. And I walk outside to kind of ask this woman like, Hey, is everything okay? Like is the T-Rex upset you? But by the time I got out there, she, she just ghosted. I don't yeah. know where she went. I couldn't find her. Uh, I turn around and I notice not only did she put a brown paper bag on it, she has written a giant note all over the front of the bag. Uh, and I am going to show you this brown paper dad oh, bag. Oh, you brought right it now. Yes. Your vamp while you go grab it. Vamp while he grabs it. Oh, oh my shit. God. This, this is more suspenseful than Squid Game. I don't know. What if, what if we had the music? Uh, what's Squid Game music? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, no. I will reveal it to you. That's right, and Rich. we will read it live okay. on air. All right, yes. here we go. I am not fucking with you. I will go to every fucking bar and tell you you gave me HPV and won't even go to the doctors. <laughs> like you should. Like you should. It's fair. Have had to deal with your ass f- tricking, tricking around long enough. The truth comes. To, there's no punctuation, by the way, listener. The truth comes to the light, D'Angelo. You want me relaying messages to protect other innocent people so much for life for you with people who don't give a fuck about you. Only what's in your pockets. How how have you excel excel in your pockets taking beat. taking and then it just ends it just fucking wait, ends mid-sentence wait how have you, you excelled with her here taking 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 nothing else. <laughs> oh no it just ends taking what has he excelled with her taking, taking no 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 i think i know give it back i oh. think i know what she was getting at with that note okay so decipher this for me chris so much for life 
I actually have more information about this afterwards. For, with people who don't give a fuck about you, only what's in your pockets, meaning they only want his money. Uh-huh. How have you excelled with her here? Taking, taking. comma, taking. Exclamation point. Exactly. <laughs> See what I'm saying? I, yeah, dude. You, we should like make this a dramatic uh, script read and get uh, some people <laughs> in on this. How have you excelled with her here? Taking, taking. It's very hard to understand <laughs> the cadence because there's no there's no punctuation, no periods, no commas. The only thing is some letters are capitalized. Like, Ooh, Steve, she has HPV. Why are we holding this and passing it around? <laughs> Everyone has HPV in America, Andy. Yeah, Grow up. No, it's true. But so, so what I did. I want to turn I, this into a monologue. I took I photos of it. the T-Rex with the bag over its head so we can post it on the, the Twitter if you want to see it. All we know about this High woman. High-pitched vocals. Is that she's ah, a little unhinged. Because think yes. about this, right? She hasn't been here since May, okay? She shows up. Her immediate thought, without even thinking much of it at all, is that D'Angelo, on a whim, purchased a 500-pound T-Rex statue since last they had met. And she didn't <laughs> look in the window. Well, I was think she, so she, because I saw her approach, right? She came with the bag in hand. Mm-hmm. So she saw the T-Rex Maybe she came up earlier and saw it. That's going to be a perfect got a bag. note holder. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm going to fucking put a bag over that thing's head. And she went away, planned this out, and came back with the... Because she came in with the bag, whoop, on his head, turned around and whoop, walked away. Whoop, whoop. That's how you bag a T-Rex right there, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. If only they did that in Jurassic Park. Steve, in retaliation, posted a waterproof note of his own. <laughs> It said what? D'Angelo? What'd you say? D'Angelo. Hello. D'Angelo, hello. Yeah, it starts with hello. Hello. <laughs> and Steve fashion. It does. Hello. D'Angelo does not live here. Please stop leaving notes on Rexy. <laughs> and my, I, t- okay, I, thanks, sh- bye. I showed it to a buddy of mine. He was like, you should have wrote and D'Angelo is extinct from this location. Fuck. <laughs> oh, oh dinosaur reference. Uh, he um, hasn't lived here for 65 million years. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Ish. So if I'll, I'll update you guys if I have any more. Uh, Please do. But also be safe. Sexy. Also be yes. safe. Let's get scary. your gun. Yeah. I, I set up some cameras, so we're good. I saw that. Multiple. Yeah. yeah and multiple. some gaffer we'll tape. We'll show the police after she kills <laughs> yeah. you. It'll be the new found footage movie Andy and I can make. <laughs> Take care of my dogs. Have you been streaming anything else outside of that drama? Uh, one last thing real quick. Uh, so uh, William Shatner went to space yesterday. <laughs> That's not really William Shatner, is it? I believe they yeah. shat him into space. Is it really? I thought it was yeah. a joke because that guy sounded like William Shatner. No, Shatner went up there and huh. uh, had, I, I thought that was a solid pun. I just want to. What, what did you say? I didn't even hear you. I said that they shat him into space. <laughs> it's not. It's pretty good. I, it's, it's pretty good. It's I like less it. solid than his shit probably is. That's, oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Because his name's Shatner? Yeah, man. <laughs> Barely know her. <laughs> God damn it. Why don't we have more listeners? <laughs> well, anyway, if I highly recommend you go and find the clip of him in space because it's amazing. Because they have like a camera in the module that they're all the people that are it's in there with him. so incredibly beautiful. Well, it's hilarious because everyone else that's in there is just futzing around in the cockpit doing flips in zero G and like, oh, ha, ha, we're in space. Ha, ha. And Shatner is staring out the porthole window. Just looking out the window. I mean, <laughs> just it's like, space. Just like fully feeling the weight of the universe waft over him and just letting it letting it just consume his every waking moment and when he when they landed they were like hey what is it what did it feel like and there's this quote that he said like i hope i never recover from this and i thought that was such a good quote like because he found it so incredible 
I hope I never regret I hope I never regret And someone also asked him, like, do you consider yourself an astronaut after this? And he said, lowercase a, add an S. Get it? Ass. Astronaut. Oh, I was going to say, astronauts. he's multiple astronauts? <laughs> no. Sastronauts? He's a sastronaut. Sastronaut. <laughs> I'm a sastronaut. That's I'm fun. a big old sastronaut. I'm <laughs> bigger. Not pretending I'm really in space this time. There's something on the wing. <laughs> Some. We're all doing Jim Carrey impersonating William Shatner right now. And it's perfect. I'm William Shatner. I can score anything. (laughs) Fanboys. Well, that is a good thing to stream. I streamed a few things. Yes, I did. Let's wrap this up and get on the fucking Blade Runner. All 2049 of it. That's gonna we're gonna have 20 minutes and 49 seconds to recover to cover that movie. Uh, but I have streamed a few things I want to talk about. Some stuff that you probably wouldn't expect. Okay. Uh, I got Andy's story topped because I watched M. Night Shyamalan new movie. Old. 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 I didn't rent it. I fucking bought it. How much did you pay $20. for this? $20. Was this a physical copy? No. Fuck, man. You Digital. Got Jeffy on it? Digital. El Jefe? Mm-hmm. And El Jefe. You got Shyamalan ding-donged. And that movie is one of the worst films I have ever seen really in my medium length life. Wow. Yeah, People were really kind of hyping that. Movie. I know. And I looked at a letterbox. A lot of the critics that I follow gave it about three, three and a half stars, which is generally what you give most movies that you thoroughly enjoyed, but weren't like mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And I just cannot believe that. Uh, Thomas and McKenzie's in it. She does a great job. There's a, some really good performances trying really hard to work with the dialogue that they are dealt. Um, I'm sure most listeners know the premise of this movie is that, um, these uh, vacationers get stuck on this beach where time goes very quickly and they age very quickly. Um, but the gags that M. Night Shyamalan chooses to explore with this are ridiculous. Um, and he, in the hands of any other director, I think it would have been like some body horror and, and some fun or he could have worked some themes uh, about the utility of life. Yeah. The inevitability of, of time and all that stuff. Right. And he like kind of half ass does, but it, it's, I mean, I'm going to spoil a section just to show you what the entire experience of this movie is about, like borderline weird, uh, but also not handled in a way that would make it more horrific and less weird or a cool idea. Like, wow, that was bold, but it just straight hanging there as weirdness. Uh, there is a, young girl and a young boy they're about six years old they uh, are unwatched while the parents find dead bodies and stuff they crawl into a tent they age to teenagers while no one's looking but you can't really see because of the camera angle you can just see that they're like a little bigger but you can kind of get the vibe by their voice tones changing uh they come out of the tent at like about 17 18 years old now but they've only been gone like half an hour uh She's pregnant now, like eight months pregnant, and he's like a six foot tall kid. And uh, the mom of what which is still like a six year old mind in that body, mind you, conceivably, just looks at her and goes, "What have you done?" And then like the boy, I know Steve looks horrified as I was, and the boy goes, "We were playing," and it's it. I was like aghast. But also, that's when I tweeted, is this movie supposed to be funny? Because I was generally, like, just genuinely and generally confused at that point. And the rest of the movie is shit like that. and just progresses thusly. Um, yeah. You were texting us the other day about how 
funny you, you thought the movie was um, or like terrible it was. And the next day somebody tweeted something. It was a clip of the movie. And they're like, this is from the first minute of old. And it's the mom going, you have such a pretty voice. I hope I get to hear it when you're older. <laughs> that's in the first fucking minute of that's, old. That's it's constant shit like that's that. Super on the I nose. I can't believe somebody typed that out. Like, derp, 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 derp. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's like the Shatner jokes that we just had, but then we wrote <laughs> them down and then years from now, read them again with hundreds of other people. And, and we're like, yeah, we all agree. It stays in like, which would never happen. <laughs> oh, no, man. Shatner slaps. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So that's old M night Shyamalan. I did rent it uh, on Apple TV. Uh, or no, I bought it. Sorry. I own it forever. And that is awesome. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, finally, I watched a couple of documentaries on, uh, I don't know if they're documentaries on Netflix about movies. Uh, one is attack of the Hollywood cliches. It's, uh, hosted Jimmy suggested that, right? Yes. I, it, I actually highly suggest it. Uh, it is narrated slash hosted by Rob Lowe. Who's always a treat. Mm. And, um, immortal Rob Lowe. It's got mm. some really neat stuff. It's got the Wilhelm scream, uh, a bunch of other stuff that's used frequently in movies and, uh, for movie nerds. I think it's, it's fun to watch and explore. It's nothing new to you. Like, you know I mean? Having been through film school and shit like that, like it's, there's nothing that's going to be like, Oh, what? But it's, <laughs> it's really entertaining or maybe different clips and nuances of things that you already know about the movie industry. Sure, yeah. I'm always up for that. And it's stuff. a breeze. It's a breeze to watch. It's you know less than an hour. I've also been watching more uh, movies that made us. There's a season three now. Do you know that show oh, on yeah. Netflix? Yeah, of course. I want, I'd like to hear what you guys think about this show. Have you seen any of them? No. I've from seen an, one from an editing standpoint, I think it's fucking terrible. Like, yeah, it, it was rough. It's like YouTube video, like mm-hmm. Mr. Beast edited these things. It kind of reminds me of uh, like, uh, shoot, what were they called? Like on, was it MTV? It was like, uh, yeah. I don't know, the 90s yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those type of. Which are really docs. addicting. But it, I feel like in in this, since I really care about movies, um, uh, not that they don't care. I'm not saying that I'm above that. I'm just saying my point of view, perhaps cynically, is that it doesn't do the material justice. Right. Like just show this director talking for five minutes or so. Yeah. It's very service level and it, it kind of um, doesn't trust the audience is like really interested because they're just like, look at this. Now look at that. Look at this. And they don't like let you kind of settle into a story. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. That's what it is. It'll take like two seconds of the director talking splice in three other movies. And then the movie that they're talking about into some clever clip. And sometimes it does like bookend a joke. Uh, but for the most part, it's like, I'm actually really interested in how Halloween got made and the, the story behind this. All that is to say, most of them are a little annoying. However, I guess because it's October and season three. Just I was say, it's cool that they're doing horror movies. Exactly. Like These are like way more interesting than Home Alone and stuff, even though I really enjoy Home Alone, too. But now that they're talking about Halloween, um, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, I watched all three of those back to back and they lead into one another. And you guys might know all this, but I knew none of it. They're like all of these directors kind of had like a um, Spielberg, George Lucas, Brian De Palma relationship and like Wes Craven helped. It was a film school together. Several. I don't know if it was film school or they were just kind of living, living, flopping in the same like area in LA. Flopping and flopping. (laughs) and flopping. (laughs) You know what I mean? Living and flopping. Flopping, scatting all around the. (laughs) Like Sean Cunningham, Sean Cunningham, when he made um, Halloween, um, Ended up, or was it Friday the 13th? Friday the 13th. And he ended up helping, um, having Wes Craven help him edit it. And it's just fascinating shit. Cause he, and also makes me frustrated. I was called Andy Wells mowing the lawn after I watched it. And I was like, dude, why can't we make another fucking movie? Like this guy, he, when he thought of Friday the 13th, he put an ad in Variety. 
a, a magazine ad, full page. It just said Friday the 13th in like graphics with like shattered glass. And it said the most horrifying movie ever made. And somebody bought it for $500,000. There was no script. There was no premise. It had no elevator pitch. All he knew was it's going to be called Friday the 13th. I'm going to use this font and I'm going to rip off Halloween. And some guy was like, that's a fucking great idea. 500 G's make it. And it worked. He made $70 million and it's a legendary film franchise that is in his own words, a complete ripoff of Halloween. It just drives me insane. Like, he sold a, a font <laughs> for five hundred thousand like dollars. Ryan Gosling SNL Helvetica sketch. You know what you did. Yeah, you know what you did. You know what you did. Uh, but anyway, virus. people that like like behind the scenes stuff and how movies are made, which everybody does. Uh, those are fascinating. Those three specifically. Oh, there's an alien one on season three too. I'm really excited about that. Ooh, nice. Ooh, Andy got. Ooh, ooh. You got you percolated. Um, that's all the things that I've been streaming this week. I guess that brings us to our main event. Blade Runner 2049. All right. That music is so soothing. I know. It's a soothing, soothing. This has to be like Joy's theme or something, right? Uh, This is, well, technically, this is Tears and Rain. Oh, well, shit. Yeah. This is this is the one at the this end. This is that OG boy. Yeah. So we just watched Blade Runner 2049 together. That was my second viewing, I believe. Steve? Uh, I think this is my fourth viewing. Wow. I'm impressed. Second as well. Yeah. We saw it in theaters together. Mm-hmm. It's my third or fourth. AMC Dining. Fun fact, Maybe. and I'm, I'm ashamed to admit this, I did not <coughs> see this movie in theaters. Oh, man. I have an excuse. I got married the weekend it came out (laughs) and I was there and I was gone for like three weekends because you missed it for my wedding. And then I missed it. Well, it was a pretty nice honeymoon. Um, And then when I came back from my honeymoon, we had like hospital issues we had to deal with. So by the time the fourth weekend rolled around honeymoon, what? So what happened on your honeymoon? Oh, it wasn't us in the hospital. It was a family member. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> uh, but once the fourth weekend came around, this movie was already out of theaters because it was not a, career, a commercial success, mm, much like its predecessor. Yes. Um, so I, I want to ask a few questions of you guys. First off, I know I think I know Steve's uh, a huge sci-fi fan, so I think I know his answer. Um, but what is your relationship with Blade Runner going into this film? Do you recall were you a huge fan of Ridley Scott's original film and looking very much forward to the sequel? Uh, uh, you know, things like that, Andy? Uh, no, I only saw it for the first time right before 2049 came out just because I wanted to be familiar wow. with it before I went in. Did and, you watch the right version? Uh, it was a director's cut, but I, as I understand it, there's multiples of those. So there's the theatrical directors and final cut. The director's cut is, I think, the best. So I think you did good there, but either directors or final would be yeah, final fine. as long as you didn't watch. Don't the watch the theatrical. Yeah, I didn't. I did not watch the theatrical for sure. Steve, I'm a huge Blade Runner fan. Blade Runner is one of my favorite. The original Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it's the the most fully realized world, especially when it was made. Like it's such an amazing, breathtaking, technical. Marvel. 1982, right? Yeah. Um, 
there there definitely are problems with the story i don't think harrison ford's very good in it to be honest um they they also like make him seem very rapey in that movie mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in one scene in particular but other than that like it's such a joy to watch other than that rutger howard's yeah. performance rutger howard's performance is so good that you know the iconic tears and rain scene at the end of the movie is just fucking phenomenal i love it so much i quote it all the time the whole speech like i was actually when they announced this movie blade runner 2049 they're making a sequel I was very mad. I remember being very against it. Like, sure. why would you mess with this movie? Like, it's a perfect film. It has this ambiguous ending that allows people to kind of debate back and forth about it. Um, it's a technical marvel. Nothing you make is ever going to look as aesthetically pleasing as the original. And you were wrong. I was so fucking wrong. I'm so great. Because before this, I really didn't know who uh, Denis Villeneuve was. Um, I had not seen Prisoners or Sicario. Was Sicario out by this point? Yes. yes. I had not seen either of those movies. Um, I actually still haven't seen them. But oh, bro. Sicario rules. I know. So does Prisoners. Uh, but I, now he's one of my favorite directors. Like, I love what he's what he does. He has... He, and then Roger Deakins is also the, the DP, and mm. he's such a fucking wizard in his art. He's so wizard. He's so he's wizard. So wizard he, he's Andy. wicked. He's a wicked pisser. Uh, <laughs> wicked pisser. Uh, so, but, but so like going into this movie, I was vehemently against it coming out. It was released. People had nothing but great things to say about it. The few who did see it. Uh, so of course I went and saw it as soon as I could on a, a friend's Plex. I had access to his Plex and I streamed it off his Plex. That's the first time I ever saw this movie. And it's, it's great. I love it. Chris, I'm with you. Uh, I was, I had seen Sicario and prisoners. So I was more like, Hey, I really like Blade Runner. I don't think it's a sequel that anyone's as asking for. I no. think it's a terrible idea. However, I love Denis Villeneuve and um, let's, I'm, I'm excited to see what that's going to be like. Uh, and was pleasantly surprised along with everyone else. It at least made its money back. I would venture to say, and I was thinking about this, you know, we just spent three hours watching it and, and I had some time to think about it. Um, I think that this movie on its, my second viewing has bumped Blade Runner 2049 into like my top 10 movies of all time. Really? Um, I really think that this is a staggering achievement. Um, the Hans Zimmer score is, of course, top tier, probably as always. Um, I was telling you when Andy went out to smoke, though, like that that scene where the score kicks in uh, when the water's flooding out right after Joy says, "Want to take?" Or he says to Joy, "Want to take a ride?" I almost started crying, and it was one of those like bizarre, like, "Why is this happening?" <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing sad going on. Well, Zimmer's taking a lot of the score cues from uh, Vangelis. Is that how you pronounce the original? I think so. The guy who scored the first movie. Yeah. The first movie has that very haunting, dissonant, yeah, haunting, ominous, grim synth tones, (laughs) as we found out in the subtitles. Uh, And obviously, Zimmer's taking a lot of influence from that, but he's also making it his own. He adds like a crazy, like it sounds like a motorcycle revving noise. It's it's very interesting. He he makes it very similar, but definitely its own. And actually, the piece we play leading into the segment was a Vangelis piece that they Mm -hmm. retooled for the ending of this. Tool. Tool. This was the film that finally got Deacon's best cinematographer, right? I believe so. Yes. This like movie he won. nominated a shitload, and then he finally won for that. He definitely did win for this. This movie won two Academy Awards. It was... Uh, there was uh, Special Effects. Special Effects? Okay. That makes sense. Absolutely stunningly gorgeous movie. I'm so glad I own it on 4K now. Um, but yeah, I was sitting there just kind of meditating about halfway through and look, you know, writing down, I think through the act of taking notes and having already seen it once before, 
I was just seeing all these threads and, and pieces of symbolism. And I was like, you know what? Gosh, darn it. I think it's going to be in my top 10. This is fucking staggering. Yeah. Um, and if you have not seen this movie, do yourself a favor, pause the show before we get into spoilers mm-hmm. and go watch it. Cause you really owe it to yourself. It's amazing. It's especially just from a technical span standpoint, even if you don't like the story, you can learn so much about what makes a great shot, mm-hmm. how to use colors in a scene just by watching this film. And I should say, I've talked about this guy before, how I was introduced to Blade Runner, the original was from a philosophy philosophy professor of mine, Rudy Garns. Did he ask if uh, electric, uh, do robots dream of electric sheep? Yeah, we, well, that was assigned as well. And also um, the Philip K. Dick, uh, is it a novella? Yeah. Um, he assigned this and then Dr. Strangelove, which as you know, I did never watch. Um, but like the philosophical import of the first movie in this story is really fascinating. Um, and I, I think Denis was able to take I think what's so impressive about it and why I actually like it more than the original is because he was able to take the DNA of the original Blade Runner and I'm sorry for this in advance, replicate it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of the visual language, the, the if scoring there was a Blade Runner here. He'd kill that. Joke. <laughs> <laughs> he would kill that joke. Uh, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think he even kept the ambiguity of Deckard's, Replicant status. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. How did he uh, manage that? Right. It off. Yeah. Um, because I'm watching it like, and, and this isn't really a spoiler. I, I don't think um, it may be of the 1982 version, but I'm watching for like an hour and a half, just completely sure that they've given in to the fact that Deckard is a replicant. And then there's a line at some point from Wallace. And um, I'll quote it later. Cause I wrote it down. Um, if you were in fact designed, I think is what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm just seeing it that way because I do believe that he is from my interpretation of the first film. That's why this wild. is awesome. You That's know? wild because when I watch the movie, I, I'm like the opposite where the whole time I'm thinking that they kind of gave into the idea that he's a human the whole time. And then at the end of the movie, they like flip it and make it ambiguous again. Do you believe he's human? No, I don't personally. Oh, so that's my theory squash that it's because you believe that, that you saw it that way. But still, that's really neat. Yeah, I think it's a better story if he's not human. Right. I, th- I think that he's human, but I, I, I think that he's human from the end of the first one. And I still think he's human after the maybe in this. So I think it's definitely, uh, well, that's spoilers. So I'll stop there. But I, yeah, think, yeah. I think he's human. All yeah. The the, we've only been spoiling the first movie from 1982. So yeah. sorry if you haven't seen, do you want to move into the 40 year old movie? Old. Do yeah. you want to start the play by play and go through spoilers for Blade Runner 2049? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> are entering spoiler territory you're bullshit yeah yeah thank you cells what do you want to do with the cells i want to cells interlinked (laughs) interlinked interlinked good you guys aren't replicants uh so we open up with this sprawling drone shot in 1982 it would have been a helicopter shot and it's california (laughs) titular year <laughs> i just wanted to make that joke i was really happy <laughs> california 2049 uh the first film by the way takes place in 2019 uh yeah love gosling who plays k he's got this dope ass jacket that looks like it was designed by hideo kojima i want Super that jacket cool. so bad he's landing from his uh fucking flyy car which Apparently, is really well designed they call looks like those the spinners 
the cars the cars are called spinners i was watching a behind the scenes featurette on my lunch break and they were like this is how we design the spinner oh that's what we call the cars spinners Mm. i'm like oh weird that's what i've not heard that they wrote a lot of rap songs about those in the late 90s and early aughts those were really big cars in this scene wow Wow. oh and thanks for joining us again we're gonna need you to be quiet because you didn't watch the movie with us i'll just be in the back So it turns out the place that Kay is landing is yeah. uh, inhabited by Sapper, played by Dave Batista, and it's he he be farming worms. He be farming the worms. It's a protein farm. farm. Yeah, it's a protein groups. Yeah, and there's no sexual innuendo in there. He's just literally it's a protein farm, and mm-hmm. he's farming worms. You guys better get used to it because apparently uh, in 30, 40 years that might be like a thing that's much more normalized in the world. Is a yeah, there's no like trees, that. so I assume they're manufacturing breathable air and mm-hmm. they're uh, farming protein. You got to eat worms. I guess there's probably like worm burgers served everywhere. Well, in well, there's a real life application to this where eventually McDonald's. people are worried about the the food shortage in the world and bugs are a good res- a resource for protein and they're easier to farm than plants are. Mm-hmm. So humans are a good source of protein too. Just FYI. That could be a different way that society goes. That's, That's true. true. That's it's true. actually not true though. Cause it takes like, I'm in the worm camp. I'm in the people camp. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of gesta- gestation gestation. It takes a long time to make a human gas station. <laughs> gestation. Go to the gestation. There you go. Uh, I love Batista's glasses. I think they're iconic at this point. I love point. the glasses. He puts glasses. on the tiny Harry Potter glasses. And he's like, oh, like I'm a wizard. Vests. That are made out of like a wired coat hanger. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just Wallace. Or no, what, what was it? Sapper. Yeah. Oh, you can't be a wizard. I love the, the tone of this film. I mean, he just lets actors act. And the fact that he walks in this kitchen and he knows that Kay is sitting there, but doesn't acknowledge him. And we don't know that he knows the first time, you know, but, mm-hmm. but he fucking knows. And <laughs> he's this, just calm and collected. He's been waiting for this moment. And you can read all of that from the fucking silence in the room, right? Like that he's resigned to this. Yeah. It's such an expertly crafted scene. Mm-hmm. He's just boiling his garlic and I might take him out. There's a, a an interesting line later on. I don't want to spoil. I want to actually, cause I get, I digress a lot, but I want to come back to this scene. Cause there's a line later on. That's interesting. Um, but, and then there, Kay says, I prefer to keep an empty stomach until the hard part of the day is done mm. when he offers him some of the garlic. And so I just thought that was cold blooded. Like the hard part of the day is yet to come. I know mm. we're about to fight and you can tell like the resignation is real. Like he really, truly does not want to do this. And you can, I think Gosling's casting was perfect yeah, because he plays the best, like sad eyed smart ass. I think in the business, like, yeah. like there's real <laughs> fucking, way to describe yeah. him. There's real pain behind those like downturned puppy dog eyes. <laughs> and that is perfect for this. Cause he's like always ready to go and he'll, mm. he'll fucking do it, but he's not happy about it. Look at them eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Look at them eyes. Um, and then uh, after that scene, so he does successfully kill Sapper and is very sad. Which is a, that's a brawl. Like there's that moment oh, yeah. where Batista's is bashing his head against the wall. About he, nine times. Like a hundred times. Oh, I get, left that part out when I, I gave a rundown at some point towards the end of the movie of all the shit that he had gone through physically. And I oh, left yeah. out the part where he got his head beat against the wall 15 times by Dave Batista. So hard that he went through the wall. <laughs> got Batista bombed through the wall. Uh, also stabbed... In the arm, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stabbed in the arm with a little scalpel. Why does he carry a scalpel of all things? And he didn't even react. He's like, no, I'm cool. still going to scan your fucking oh, eye. Because he's a combat medic. 
Yeah. And he had that shit. Oh, from, yeah, that's right. That's from right. Garnash where he was fighting or whatever. Mm. Um, and I love I want one small touch about this scene that I think is great. So Batiste is a big dude and clearly like, he's a big guy, but they immediately sort of endear you to him because they, this is the only movie really they, because Batiste is not a young dude. Right. Mm. Um, Pushing pe- people might be early surprised 50s. how old he is. Yeah. He's like in his early 50s, maybe mid at this point. Yeah. Um, but this movie kind of lets him look his age yeah they like, grow his hair out like an inch his or so hair's kind of a little bit grown he's got the little tiny little wire glasses and he looks worn down and old but still capable right so that when he does fight you're like oh man this is this oh, this this old bull getting back into his prime but you're kind of endeared to him immediately because like oh he's not just some big brute that can take on tiny little ryan gosling he's obviously an older wizened character and even though he's in the movie for like what the first five minutes yeah he has a last great way to open because this is uh i wouldn't say slow burn i don't think that because i think with with hans zimmer's score and the amount of like depth and subtext that's in every silent moment of this movie i wouldn't call it a slow burn but it's definitely um more meditative plotting movie and so it needs this opening right simmer simmers a great like like the fucking garlic on sapper's stove simmering and it just comes to a boil and smells great. A nice, pleasant boil by the end. Mm-hmm. So he dispatches Sapper and goes back to his spinner and uh, confers with Madam, played by Robin Wright. Uh, and she's apparently, we find out, she's like basically the chief of police. I'll have you a gun on your badge. You're a loose cannon. She's yeah. that character. <laughs> you break 20 cars. <laughs> the mayor's on my ass. <laughs> the mayor's on my ass. Um, and then he goes back to the police station to do his baseline session. Wait, before he left, though, uh, he, he uh, spotted the tree. He spotted the tree. He spotted the little flower of the tree. And he spotted, uh, while scanning the tree, the uh, chest underground. Which we later find out is a... A coffin of sorts. What did he call it? There's another word for ossuary. Ossuary. I don't have to help. I didn't have to have you, Phil. Take that. (laughs) Take that, Phil. I got Steve. I know what an ossuary is. Yeah, he knows what. Box of bones. It's it's an ossuary. (laughs) Yeah, because we learned from Blade Runner. Um, My mom said I could never learn things from the TV. (laughs) (laughs) The first time I watched this movie, that whole baseline session really confused the shit out of me. Yeah. I think I get it this time. what What do you think it is? Well, I mean, it's obvious what it is. The movie tells you that. But I mean, like, I was kind of like, I didn't draw the connection between what the movie was telling me it was and what it actually, in fact, was. I was just like, sure. Mm-hmm. But this time I'm like, I could see almost how that would work. Um, so they're they're shouting out all of these potentially provocative notions mm-hmm. that, that, that replicants shouldn't emotionally react to or have any kind of um, even con- concept of. And so they're, and they're doing it so rapid fire along with the repetitions and then he has to, re- to catch them off guard. And if there's any kind of uh, elevation of heart rate or breathing or changes in their pulse, that that's a red flag, right? Mm-hmm. Why is he emotionally reacting to yeah. the fact that there's hands interlinked with your loved one or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and it's a callback to the first movie powerful. When, when he, when Deckard interviews all the other replicants, he's like, there's a turtle in the desert. Yes. <laughs> overturned on its shell. And you, but you don't pick it up. And then the replicant's like, why wouldn't I pick it up? <laughs> why the fuck wouldn't I pick it up? And it's just a question. Yeah, but why? Why? I need to help the turtle. I why did the scene. chicken cross the road? I why would the chicken cross that, the road? What's the chicken? I love that baseline scene, dude. It's so yeah. interesting. It's very good. And cells. Hands, are you a little bitch interlinked? Interlinked. <laughs> See, I would have fucked up because I almost said cells. Cells. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck, I am a little bitch. Damn it. And that's see, I think when I first watched it, I was like, there's an answer and right that he has to recall like it's a puzzle that's not what it is they're just monitoring uh 
physiological responses, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that he has this repetition is to take his mind off of any kind of control he may have over those responses. Does that make sense? Physio- yeah. So it's kind of distracting him and they can get like a real readout. Cause there are people that can beat lie detector tests and yeah. stuff. So anyway, I was Suppo- just like, this supposedly, is supposedly his baseline test was an idea that Ryan Gosling came up with. Cause in the script, the baseline test is much more similar to the original test in the, in the original movie. But Gosling suggested using, I guess it's an acting exercise where like, people will go back and forth quickly like that. Hmm. And so they shot it both ways and they ended up using Gosling's idea. Nice. Yeah. This is way better. Way yeah. to go, Goose. Good job, <laughs> Goose. You graduated to Ryan Goose. Uh, I'm sorry for that joke. You can <laughs> edit <good>. that out. <laughs> uh, I, I, I put a note that it's a global society, but we know that from the 1982 film, but it's there, there seem to be no nations. I don't know if that's ever explicitly mentioned, but I know that there's Korean and Japanese in the same city. And I mean, that happens in American cities, but it just really appears to be a completely enmeshed global culture at this point. Do you guys get the same sense? I did. Yeah, sure. When you say yeah. humanity's at nine planets now, yeah, I get, what I get the impression that a planet's just a planet. And nine's not even that many. Children can count to nine on their hands. Mm-hmm. We should own the stars. It's a quote from Jared Leto's Jared came Leto's in here. <laughs> oh my God. What a megalomaniacal motherfucker. Um, Ooh, there's only eight planets in our solar system. Yeah, they've traveled it. Well, well they made Pluto maybe they, a planet again. Maybe they brought Pluto yeah. back. <laughs> in this universe, Blade Runner 2049, Blade Runner, or uh, Pluto's still a planet. Uh, there's also some... The world building is, this is my, this is my statement here. The world building of this world is so well done that I don't like saying the words Skinner or skin job because they sound like real racial slurs to me. And there are in fact, no replicants that I know of, but I don't feel comfortable saying skin job, even though I just said it twice. Thank you. <laughs> it's context that matters. It's you know? true. No, I was quoting it's how you it's, say it's in it. the lyrics. It's how you say skin job. That's true. But he's got it spray painted on his door. So we automatically get the sense. I don't know how people know other what? than maybe yeah, his he, neighbors. He's, he's just like averting his eyes and shit. And they're like, it's so out of here. He's job. walking up his apartment. All these people are just kind of living in the hallways. Do you get, did you get the sense that because he's this replicant that, has a job with the LAPD. He has a home, whereas these other people just don't, and they are living just. Oh, I expect homelessness is in that rampant. building. Yeah, yeah. I didn't sure. think of it that and, way, and but that's sure. Why they could also have that sort of animosity towards him is because there's like he's taking our jabs, skin mm-hmm. jab. Sure, <laughs> but also I think that there's something uncanny about just something physically superior to you that looks just like you, and, and sure, yeah. right? Um, You're not a real thing in our nature, right? Yeah. To 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 look down on it as best you can. But I take back, I mean, obviously they know he's a replicant because he's like almost famous in that city, right? Because at one point when we go to the um, the prostitute replicants little area, and turns out they're all secret agents. Um, they're like, oh, I recognize him. He's a fucking Blade Runner. He's dangerous, right? So she says that. So apparently he's known-ish in those parts. But any hoozle. Around the rice stands. Uh, I love, and this is already at this point in the movie, I'm like, this might be one of my favorite movies of all time. So he comes in, we're introduced to Joy, but kind of off screen. We hear the voice. We're a little confused. We know he couldn't possibly have a partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, pour me a drink. He pours two glasses. He cheers them himself, drinks both of them because she can't physically touch it. And there's like this sadness in the way that he does it, this loneliness. And then he plumps in the chair. I'm getting chills right now, mm-hmm. right? Like 
Yeah, and you How fucking subtle is that? Yeah. That he pours two glasses like it's this complete fantasy that he's he's used to entertaining. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought because we, we don't see her yet, and and then when she brings out the the meal that he's actually already brought out right. himself, she, it, we found out that she's a hologram projection from like the ceiling in their apartment and she brings out this holographic food and overlays it, overlays it on top of food. So it looks pretty, but really mm-hmm. it's just the shitty he, meal that he eating made. the grubs, the gruel. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Was it, it really? It was grubs. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's true. From the uh, protein farm. That's mm-hmm. true. That's that true. That's true. true that Andy. That's true shit. <laughs> Andy did, did we lie. mention that it was Anna Darmus that's playing Joy? We have not. Okay. Yeah. It is um, absolutely. Very important detail. One of the most beautiful women on the planet mm-hmm. and really cool part because she's playing like a computer AI projection that she's constantly changing outfits. So they had a field day with her costume oh, yeah. design. It was super cool, constantly changing hairstyles and outfits. And the, the special effects with her specifically are so amazing. Uh, we'll get into the scene that I know you're want to talk about, Andy, but she's, I love that she's always slight, very slightly transparent mm-hmm. to bring home the fact that she's a hologram. Um, Cause sometimes opaqueness set at like 97. Yeah. <laughs> it's just enough to where you're like, is there something off about her? Oh yes, there is. Um, and obviously that, that scales depending on what she's doing. Um, it's opacity. <laughs> That's that, that is true. It is opacity. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to keep going. No, I'm done. Pregnant pause. <laughs> uh, so then they have a little bit of banter and he pulls out a gift, which you didn't know where I was going with that. If you haven't seen the movie recently. Uh, and it's the emanator, which is apparently this Wallace product. Um, I got one in the back. That, right. <laughs> that allows him to take his joy. J O I. It does. <laughs> oh no. Her name's spelled J O I. Oh no. Oh no. Um, <laughs> so he's able to take her with him in his pocket and his pockets is because, but, Prior to that, he had the base model, the like the iPhone uh, SE, which looks he, way more. He expensive. had the, he had the desktop version in his home. Yes, and he just got the the new Nano iPod, iPod Nano. I thought the iPod the same Nano. Thing. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so she's take, now he can take his tunes with him. Exactly. She's stoked about that, and I think that there's really uh, and I love this scene so much where he says, "You can go anywhere anywhere in the world, baby. What do you want to do?" And they go outside. They go to the roof. And it's raining. And she's standing there and the water is just going through projection for a second. And then her projection adjusts and then she starts catching raindrops like or projecting raindrops on her hand. She's not really catching them, but like she's not catching them, but she starts to simulate wetness and now her hair is wet and shit. And I was like, fuck, that's good. She's adapting. God, that's good. And it almost looks a couple times like she's able to touch him. Mm -hmm. Um, So close. And I don't think... any other actress that I can think of would have quite pulled off the nuance of this character um, because it's so earnest and earnest, innocent, but also almost vacant in a way. Yes. And you're aware that her programming is to quote unquote act as if she really feels this way about him, but something about the way that Anna de Armas does it makes it seem like she's achieved a higher consciousness Mm -hmm. and does in fact love him. Like I have no doubt it's like the sequel to her that we always didn't know we needed, but now yeah. we got it. It's and so it's, it's really interesting that they tried to pull in, because in the, in the 1982 film, we have humans, we have replicants, and we have this really interesting philosophical debate about uh, do souls exist? What is the nature of consciousness? So on and so forth. And memories, what role do they play in consciousness? Which Deneuve takes even Deneuve takes to an even further degree. But now we have joy. It's this whole other form of consciousness that's even, quote unquote, below the replicants and 
is it, does that deserve or contain free will? I don't know. I'm rambling, but do you know what I'm trying to no, say? Is yeah, they brought an extra yeah, element yeah. into this philosophical debate, and I'm like, yes. Absolutely. And I love that element because in this scene, there's this moment where she's like, I'm happiest whenever I'm with you. And he says, like, you don't have to say that because he knows she's programmed, like mm-hmm. you said. And But it's amazing that, like, because he kind of is, like, the only person who would kind of know what she feels like, at least with that we've met in the film. Sure. She, he can empathize with her because he knows what it's like to be programmed to do something and that you don't necessarily believe or feel right about. And he's trying to say that to her, but like, as you oh, said, it's is so big. No, it's not. You don't have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paid to say that guys. What are you talking about my life like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so right in the middle of her uh, epic romantic kiss, she freezes. And uh, I guess his, like Wallace device is also his phone or, or I don't know how that happens or maybe it's just a neat trick. We don't have to think too you much know about how your phone is also a flashlight, a calculator, exactly a, a girlfriend, a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> so his boss calls a uh, madam played by Robin Wright again and says, you got to get back down here. We excavated the box that you found. And so he goes back to the police station and we can assume it's full of bones and it turns into a, a futuristic episode of CSI. Um, David Del is it David Desmalchian is there? I think it so. Up, man. It's definitely Desmalchian. He plays Coco. He's apparently also racist because uh, they're talking about. Well, they're talking about Sapper, and oh, then he I goes. You were talking about the real actor, like oh, apparently he's also. No, no, no. Got to be clear to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> the character we're canceling. Coco, the Coco. We're talking about Coco because he, he's like, yeah, sentimental skin job, I guess. But then, then he's like, sorry, like any, well, like he meant it though. I, I took it like don't. I don't know. I took it Talk like to a, about this. Sorry, are you a sentimental skin job too? Oh Is wait, you you're it? not. Oh. I took it as a. Oh, sorry, I got caught saying a bad thing. Because huh. he, he doesn't. He didn't seem like a, he has range. David <laughs> is always it's true. Who was the other? There was an another. I assume another Blade Runner guy in the room with him this is literally the, the only squinty scene black guy, guy? yeah yeah this is literally no the only idea. scene he's in but he, they play him up to be like ah yeah we got these bones and we, mm-hmm. we did the thing i'm an important part of this operation but i'm gonna never see him again out of the script here in a minute i took yeah. it as like another lab tech like he was way too cool to be a lab tech he was super cool and super <laughs> super squinty every time they cut to him he's like mm. that's because he's a lab tech he's been reading fine print and he, he binary wearing, all day he was wearing all black he was in like a really cool, like black suit yeah, and everything dude. he's like the supervisor i thought he was like I thought he was the dude that he was the guy that excavated the bones, right? He was the guy who. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe he's a lower ranking uh, blade Blade runner esque sure person. He's a knife jogger. But anyway, we find out the bones were Rachel from the first movie. Yeah, they find out it's a woman. She died in childbirth. And then, then they find out it was a replicant. <gasps> yeah, they find a serial number on her cervix. Although it's totally Ryan Gosling doing David Dasmalshian's job. He's like, yeah, uh, emergency C-section. Anyway, I'm going to get a coffee. And then Enhance. Ryan Gosling's like, zoom Enhance. in. Zoom in. Keep zooming. Keep Enhance. zooming. See that? Look at that. Enhance. You missed that, idiot. But he's a replicant. He's got a sharper mind, right? He's Do they? Better vision. Do they have some sharper mind? In my mind. Sharper Anything. Vision. I mean, yeah, they, supposedly if they're designed that way. I mean, he can run through walls. He can punch uh, people that weigh 160 ish pounds, about 14 feet. They're built to be better at, smarter, us at everything. Right? Uh, anything you can do, I can do better, right? Oh. That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. Um, and if he's a Blade Runner, he has to have a uh, pretty a good mind for d- uh, deductive reasoning. He has and to have good smarts. Has to have good smarts. He's got to be the world's greatest detective, so not then, unlike a Batman. Mm. 
Robin Wright's character, Madam, freaks out. She realizes that if, if the world at large finds out that replicants can give birth, it could shake the foundation of the order on which their society is built. It could crumble. It could do a, be a power shift of epic proportions. There'll be wars. People will and, die. And the whole world on both sides will be destroyed. Pepsi so, will become Coke. Cats and dogs will start living together. So she sends him on a mission. Basically little Nikki. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hide all this evidence. Burn all evidence that it ever existed and find uh, the baby slash adult now wherever it is and kill it. Um, so he ends up at the Wallace Corporation headquarters and he runs into So Wallace has taken over Tyrell Corporation correct. from the original movie and now they're the ones creating the replicants. Yes. Um, Although it said in the intro, like it's been banished that you can create replicants anyway, we're still making them. No, no replicants are uh, illegal on earth, right? We're on or, no, earth. that's the first one. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the first one. I think I thought it said that you could no longer make those and then they created a new. Yeah, that you're right. You're uh, right. Kind yeah, of replicant. Because okay. the original models would rebel mm-hmm. and the newer ones, quote unquote, don't. And now That's it's Blade what, Runner's job to hunt down all the old remaining replicants. Yeah. Um, so he meets Soho Hank at the front desk. And <laughs> gets is that him, really Soho Hank? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it gets him to walk him through the building. There's a man with alopecia. <laughs> we, <laughs> we find out that. That sounds mean when you say it. <laughs> we find out there was a blackout 10 years prior. So all digital records, which is to say everything was lost. Uh, and so they're going to go back to the what's apparently passes for paper in Blade Runner world, but also look digital to me. Computer chip thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's when Love, codenamed Love, who's also a replicant, gets sent out to handle this business, played by Sylvia Hoax, who's uh, one of the main stars of that show. See, I keep trying to get everybody to fucking watch. And she's amazing in it and i was so excited to see her in this movie nice. um and there's this wonderful line i wrote down because it's this is like this is like round two of like i think this is my favorite movie ever um they're they're actually looking at the footage of uh deckard and rachel and it's real audio from the first film and uh Kay says she likes him and then uh loves characters like what do you mean he's like she's trying to provoke him and then Right after that, Love looks at him and goes, do you like your work, officer? And he gets a little upset. And well, she, cause she she's says, trying to provoke him. Mm-hmm. Well, she also she also says, like, f- f- uh, asking personal questions makes you feel desired. And yes. So yeah. Immediately follows that up with a personal question. And he's like, shut down. It's so good. <laughs> Ghosting. Like, yeah, she solid. really, really wants to be desired. I mean, she's crying uh, on a, what's the word? She's crying without reason through most of this film. Um, but I think that she really has a, like a real instant affinity for Kay's character. Um, and I didn't catch that quite the first viewing of this. And I just thought that that little touch, um, was really good. Uh, and then we cut to his interview with, I think Gaff is what Steve's saying. Yeah, it's Gaff. Um, which is the who, what Gaff? The, it's Deckard's, Deckard's old partner partner. from the oh, first okay. film. Gotcha. The origami guy. And I was so excited to see that origami is that origami guy. Uh, I, I didn't know if there was a double entendre when he asked where Deckard was. Gaff says, uh, retired after saying it in another language <laughs> and retired is the language that they use when they kill someone, right? Yeah. Like we the retire dead. the yeah, replicant. Right. Yeah. So I thought that that was a direct, like, Oh, he is a replicant, right? That's the way I took it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause oh, they that's... only use that language about replicants. Um, but anyway, that's a good point. I didn't catch up on that, but he's the human version of retired. And he also says, um, he wasn't long for this world. And, uh, K 
Kay's character says, what do you mean by that? Or how'd you know that? And he says something in the eyes. And yeah. you could see the That's, eyes is the only way to tell someone's a replicant. Am I the, wrong? In, in the first movie, yeah. So I'm like, there's all this clue that he is a replicant, right? They're just going right into in it. His eyes. <laughs> no, it could be. That's what I mean. It's double entendre, but that's two back to back. In the in the first movie, the replicants they kind of um, glowed. Well, you know how like an animal's lights will, or an animal's eyes will glow if you catch they'll catch reflect, them in the light. Yeah. They reflect. The replicants do that in the first movie, but Deckard's does as well, and he's the only other human. He's the only other character that's not a replicant whose eyes does that in the movie. So that's why that's a big kind of mm-hmm. clue. clue that people point to to say like, yeah, see, he's a, he's a replicant. His eyes shine. So at the very least, it's fan service, uh, a little bit of a, a plug to that, especially mm-hmm. coming from that character of all people who yeah. was in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just want to throw that out there. Played um, by the same actor, too. Yeah, they got him. We watched Wallace birth a new replicant. And that is a horrifying scene. Like you yeah. see this oh, man. So Can I just say Jared Leto? polarizing figure in his real life for me personally and for the world at large, probably. Yeah. Um, I have to admit this is an absolutely stunning performance that he gives. Yeah. He's, as he's Wallace. perfect for this movie. It is batshit creepy. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's very understated. He's not like, yeah, I'm crazy. Jared. Exactly. He's very like, I'm really messed up, but and sinister and I will fuck you up. I, well, and it's I'm more like, genius. Yeah. I feel like my mission and my intellect is above all petty concerns, including the entire lives of everyone else. Right. That line where he's like, you don't have any children. He's like, oh, I have millions. I have millions. God, the way he said it. Was the way he delivered so it. Yeah. Well, because he's blind. Right. And so. But is he's he got, blind? He's blind, but he has these uh, implants, the blue things in his neck. And so all those little black things that are floating around. That's how he sees is he's got these little drones. Yeah. Um, and in fact, so Jared Leto has contacts in his uh, eyes. He purposely made them opaque. So he actually can't see really um, because he wanted to kind but of, but he doesn't himself- actually have drones. So it's worse. I heard <laughs> that about <laughs> Affleck and daredevil too. Just weird, random IMDb oh, fact wow. from that. Anyway, go on. And really? The, and yeah. other, other random fact about this character originally, uh, Denis Villeneuve wanted to cast David Bowie in this role. But unfortunately, as you know, Bowie passed before they could start filming this movie. That would have been really Rest good. Rest in peace, David Bowie. But I'm so glad it was true. I don't know. I mean, Jared Leto killed it. But have yeah. you seen Labyrinth? I, I, <laughs> David Bowie's a really good actor. Yeah. Like yeah. in Prestige and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. He probably would have played the character it a little would have been more different. over the top for sure. The character would have definitely been very different. But um, I think it still would have been good. Also, I'm a huge David Bowie fan. So that's, that's maybe me like my two nerd things I coming together. Wallace delivers some of the most quotable lines. I can't stop thinking about like every time. And it was, it was Leto's delivery. I got to hand it to him, but love is, is kind of weeping. And he basically, it, you know, the summation of this conversation is he's saying, Hey, it's another failed experiment. This womb won't carry children. So he slices her, um, her womb essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then just lets her fall. Let's her bleed out. And he like picks her up and she's all gooey and slimy. And he's like, before we even know what we are, we're, we fear to lose it. And I don't know. He just keeps saying these like this dope ass shit. <laughs> uh, we could storm and retake Eden and then lets yeah. the body flop. And, you know, it's like, damn. I love the, this part of his character is this, you know, the super <gasps> genius guy that can build whatever he want. But he's like, he's so mad that he can't recreate life like a woman can. So he's like cutting their wombs and, you know, doing all this weird shit. Cause like, I can't make a baby, which by the way, not the best plan ever. Like he's categorically incapable of controlling quote unquote, these replicants, right? A little better than Tyrell, but we, as we know, not much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his big plan is to propagate 
this, uh, I don't know if you want to call it species. Well, he um, wants to create a larger slave force. He does, yeah. but it's not going to work out for him, right? Because they're just going to grow in multitude and outnumber Correct. everybody. And, like it would seem yeah. to me that a true revolution, uh, what's her name, Freyus? Uh, yes. The replicant at the end. Freyus. Yes, yes. A, a, a true revolution such as Freyus wants, it would be to everyone's benefit if they would just give her Deckard's, give him Deckard's child and let him create this thing on its own. You know, the replicants that can all have give birth and it might take a few generations. It might be rough, mm-hmm. but then there would be billions of them. <laughs> but <laughs> all I also think they would be the geth from their, from their perspective though. I, I think they're the replicants are probably worried that he will be able to have them give birth and whatnot, but it'll be these but versions. That, out. Yeah. He, it'll be these versions that are super loyal and have no intention of, rebelling because as far as we know k is the first one of his series to ever wake up as it were um because there's that line where batista's like you're you know shoveling your generation your fruit your generation is like our generation doesn't run and so that leads me to believe that they're worried that he's going to create this like that k knew of but then all of a sudden there's all these prostitute ninjas that are about his age right but are they replicants i I don't know if all of them are replicants though why would they be working for they, Freya. They need a buck. Well, not all of them are. That See, one lady Well, they is. might just also not believe in the tyrannical rule of Wallace's corporation. True. And I got the impression that because... slave they, labor's evil. They talked... What do they call them? Um, I think Wallace called them something like lovemaking or um, pleasure, pleasure pleasure models. Pleasure models, yeah. So when he said pleasure models and then it cuts to um, Mariette's character... And with her two friends that are both also um, prostitutes, I was like, Marionette's they have character. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Mariette's really a really cool name. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I just got the impression that they were all replicants and pleasure models. I don't think they all are. Cause I know again, I'm referencing the first movie, um, Daryl Hannah. No, it wasn't Daryl Hannah. It was the other female replicant. She was, uh, posing as a prostitute mm-hmm. and all the other prostitutes were human. Exactly. So Mariette, I, I turned to you during the film because I always get this vibe. Is it is it an illusion, uh, a homage to Daryl Hannah's character? I think that's the way I, I think take that's it. Fair because yeah. like the way that she looks is very similar, and like the whole the setting and her role in the city, all that stuff seems very similar to me. Mm. Um, and I just really appreciate that personally. She doesn't do weird cartwheels though. That's true. It's true. She doesn't join the future circus. That's mm. disappointing. Her name isn't Pris. I'll try to speed it up a little bit. If I go over anything you guys really want to delve dive deep into, don't let time stop you. Slow me down. Hey man, time um, is just a construct, baby. Mm-hmm. So after Flat the circle, after we're introduced to Wallace, we find what I called the prostitute crew. Uh, and we realize that there's some kind of underground shit going on. Cause we see a character. we later find out as Freyus, tell her, Hey, uh, get with that guy, track him. We need to know what's going on. Right. Kay goes back to Sapper's place notices the key in the piano because he's a very clever boy and then reaches in, finds a sock and a photo that the sweep team missed. And then he burns the whole house down. Um, but at that point, cause he's trying to keep at this point, he's trying to keep the, the rumor down that there is. A yes. He's doing his replicant. work. Yeah. But he's also kind of disobeying already because doesn't really plan on showing her this photo is the impression I get. Um, then we see love break in, steal the bones, karate chops Coco, and apparently just with a flick of her hand, snaps his spinal column. That's yeah, the impression yeah, I got. I like it. Yeah, she's super strong. He was, on, he was like, yeah. Bleeding out of his eyes and shit. It's crazy. While he was reading what it looked like a legit document that might have gotten her away. She's like, right. yeah, fuck that karate chop. He was like, he's on the ground like, I was going to approve this. <laughs> <laughs> this paperwork is in order. It looked good to me. <sighs> 
Uh, Madam tries to make sweet love to Kay is my note. That's It's not quite true. But there's this wonderful moment I didn't really catch the first time. They're sitting there drinking alcohol together. She gets him to tell her about uh, his memory, which he believes to be fake. Because um, all replicants are given some memories to help control them and make them seem more human. Um, so he tells her. And... I got this vibe. She was getting a little turned on and she's got this definitely deep affection and, and respect for him. Cause it's her best agent by a long mile. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell she, she likes him personally. Yeah. And also it's Ryan Gosling. He's an attractive. Couldn't guy. help it. Those sad eyes get you. Yeah, they do. She looks at the bottle of vodka and she's like, what would happen if I drank the rest of that? And he's like, I think I should get back to work. You know, and she yeah. gets a little hurt, but also like, you would yeah, have you're alcohol right. poisoning. <laughs> yeah, right. He's just answers like a robot. <laughs> I would be forced to resuscitate. And um, anyway, I just thought that was really cool. Because uh, as we all know, Kay actually does care for Joy and doesn't want to, he doesn't want to cheat on his lady. Definitely not going to. His old lady. Unless she melded with Madam. Mm -hmm. Well, that's true. And Joy's kind of into that. She's like, I heard you kind of digging Madam in there, weren't you? Oh, you were listening? Yeah, I always be listening. Maybe this is where you get the idea. I think I might go buy us a hooker. What? 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 Uh, his toy horse has the same inscription. I skipped the part where he found the date on the bottom of the tree, 6-10-21. And, uh, just a couple months ago. But the toy mm-hmm. horse from his memory has that same inscription, and that's where he gets a little unsettled, right? And Joy knows this because he tells her early things. Because it's when the pandemic started resurging. And that's when he says, 21. do you want to go for a ride to Joy? And that's when the score from Hans Zimmer kicks in hard. I start crying for no fucking reason. And we start to see this beautifully shot, you know, Deacon's fucking vista, but through Joy's eyes. Because she's looking from the car. and She's never been out here before, right? And I, I just think it's such a cool moment to have this uh, artificial did, intelligence as an audience surrogate. Mm-hmm. Did you go over the part where they were looking up the, the DNA records? I did not. Which that's why I said he was, that's right. There's evidence in the film about why he's smarter. You said, is he, I mean, he's scanning through like, oh yeah, he does read genetic code with like, and he's like, oh, those two match. Yeah. And I was kind of like, do they? Well, we found two people in this database that had the exact same genetic code. It was a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they've both had the girls listed as deceased and the boys not. Yeah. So he's out looking for this orphan boy somewhere. And that's where he starts to think because of his memories with the horse, he starts to think that he is the missing boy. It's that was so given. tragically genius that yeah. that's the plot is that he starts to feel like he is the one he thinks he's human and joys like you. I'd always told you you were special. And like in those fucking sad eyes where he's like, I am special. I don't want to believe I am. And then later it's like, I'm not, but he is. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. God, I mean, I'm we'll, like, we'll I want to it. like a we'll joint, but he is, man. Um, anyway, yeah, you're right. Uh, so then we get the trash crash in San Diego. So um, you mean San Diego? So he goes and talks to. <laughs> I've never been there. I haven't either. So he, <laughs> so he goes and talks to Doc Badger, who's the captain from Captain Phillips. Uh, I'm no longer the captain now. And he analyzes the the. The horse? The horse. horse wood. Oh, no, no, no. This isn't horse yet. They, they yeah. ha- well, they haven't. Uh, flo- he hasn't. How does he go to trash level? Trash land. Uh, oh, the orphanage, the orphanage from the genetic. Right. Yeah, he's looking okay. for the orphanage. So he goes to the orphanage in San Diego, which is trash land. Uh, and the trash people crash him with a Benjamin Franklin kite. Mr. Cotton, uh, the slave labor man, would yeah. play by a black man. Pretty rough. Pretty rough for sure. But yeah, they, um, they shoot a kite onto his uh, his spinner, and it gets struck by the kite spinner. Gets, his the kite gets struck by lightning, which causes the spinner to his short ass. Out. Yeah, Ben Frank will be so proud. It was a really about cool that crash. Trap. It was a cool crash. 
It was sudden. And I'm like worried for Joy, even though she's a hologram. Um, Dude, the, it was really haunting because when the car loses power, she loses power, so she disappears, and, and it's, it's this quiet, like Gosling's by himself, and the car's falling out of the sky, yeah. and it's like, oh, this is kind of bad. And then it crashes, and it, I guess the power kind of cycles on a little bit, so. Joy's trying to wake him up, but she's like all distorted. She's like outside the car. And then she goes outside the car and it's like so wild looking. Very cool. Very eerie. And then he fucking breaks dude's back and shoots motherfuckers when they try to bust in. It's pretty Mm -hmm. bad. I love when he shoots. So like the trash people swarm on his car. I assume they're going to sell it for parts. Uh, (laughs) They're basically this this world's version of Jawas. One guy yelled at It's just Comic-Con. It's just (laughs) (laughs) Comic-Con. But I love when he turns the tables on him. He breaks the guy's back pulls out his gun and he shoots two dudes who are maybe 10 people back yeah. like those are the dudes who weren't super committed to try like, jumping the car. i don't know if we should do this <laughs> oh god <laughs> shouldn't have hung out with these guys I, I love how they show that love is is watching him it's like she's getting her nails done by these like lasers with her uh monitoring glasses on like come on bitch get up you know mm-hmm. do your fucking job and through the satellite she saves him by like calling it an airstrike yeah <laughs> uh which is cool and he doesn't even think anything of that he's like oh thanks god uh-uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like well that was that was lucky and then as andy alluded to we he stumbles into where the dude from the walking dead is running a child labor camp uh mr cotton and uh there's constant horse symbolism so from the, i admit in the first film they were unicorns however that we all know is just a horse with a cone stuck to its head mm-hmm. and now we have a horse ashtray in mr cotton's office and uh, somebody has done the work of destroying the records because those exact pages from the book are removed and he realizes and recognizes the place from his memory so he starts to run around the furnace area and he actually finds the fucking horse from the memory which is weird that it hasn't been moved or burnt to shit right. as those are inoperable furnaces um but it, now he's ter- and i i really good acting like i mean he overdoes it a little bit but i don't think so like this is real existential revelation that he's experiencing right oh, so he's, like he's shuddering the hyperventilating and yeah shuddering as the subtitles put it audible uh, Steve's shuddering. not allowed to watch shuddering ever again or it's subtitles ever again shuddering concealed shuddering is what it well, that one he's scene, just burned it. everything's burned into his mind about how the subtitles describe well it. that might i think that that was like the uh like program part of him starting to break yeah because he's, yeah. like, he's trying oh, to keep it fuck, together i'm real yeah yeah, yeah. um pretty he's awesome. trying to keep himself together but the, the weight of this discovery is really you know yeah. hurting him everything about what he thinks he knows about the world and himself doesn't agree with this new information Maybe that's why it's illegal to use real memories Maybe. 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 Yeah. <laughs> he used to say. So he goes back to Joy. He's like, look, it's a fucking horse. And Joy's like, holy shit, I told you. I think your name should be Joe. And he's like, why fucking Joe? And she's like, because Joe's dope. And he's like, is it? And they argue about that for a minute. <laughs> and she's like, okay, you want to figure out more, Mr. Science Boy, how our memories made and put in you guys. And so then he goes to find Dr. Anna Staline, who's the best memory maker for replicants on this world or mm-hmm. ever in existence. And she's basically a bubble girl. What is this actress from? Is she, has she been in other things? Almost certainly. Everyone has been in other things. Cause I, I don't, I can't place her in any other movie, but I really, really like her performance. Yeah. She's yeah. great. Very subtle. Uh, so endearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree, but I don't know. I can't recognize her from anything specific. You know what? I'm going to look her up. We have tools for this. <laughs> um, and she says the line, there's a bit of every artist in their work. And she starts kind of like, working through his memory to try to help him see the uh, signature on it perhaps. And I love how this is done. 
And I kind of hate that it's brought back later to like rub it in the audience's face. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so neat because you can see the cameras on her. You can't see the memory, but you can hear the audio. So you know, she's watching it and you can see these tears start to trickle and her breath caught short. And you can tell that she's reacting viscerally in an uh Oh kind of way. Um, but or, you don't really maybe, know why. Maybe just moved. Yeah, but it, it's just it's it's strange the first time you watch it. Like, why is she reacting so powerfully to this? I don't know why, but I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so well done. And then watching the second time, knowing why, because she's like, "That's my fucking memory." Um, I don't remember why I did that. I was high that day. I'm not <laughs> supposed to do that, you know. Whatever. <laughs> oh, um, that's where I put it. Oh, man, <laughs> it's just it's really powerful. And then she doesn't dissuade him from how he's reacting. I knew it was real, and he screams, "Fuck!" And she's like, "You're freaking out," but it's it's mine. Like, <laughs> at any time. Someone could have mentioned the gender of the baby or anything to dissuade his fantasy. And it just, but it's believable that it just doesn't quite work out. Yeah. He's never really confronted with anyone to tell him that information except for Harrison Ford. But then again, he doesn't tell Harrison Ford. He thinks he's the baby either. Exactly. And it's, it's just that like slight unmentioned dramatic tension Mm -hmm. and it's, but it's realistic. Like pronouns, my dude, I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very important. Um, I I always put them Sorry. I love her little uh, dial she uses to create the memory. She's like in her little hollow projector room and she's got this little thing on a lanyard that's so it's close to her chest and it's like this two wheeled thing that she did. Did you get the impression, because it's never answered for me, that she is actually immunocompromised or it's some kind of false narrative to keep her safe? I assumed it was a false narrative because she was running around as a child and that that would have been the time I would assume when her compromised immune system would be at its worst. I don't know. Also, if she did later develop some well, she kind did of say genetic disease. She found out about it right before they were going off planet. Oh, true. But assuming she got adopted. No, no one actually. The plan to just uh, the whole uh, there was a plan. My, my part was to go away. Yeah. You know, that might have been that. Because and this is dumb and close minded. But if she actually is that immunocompromised, it lends me to believe like, it kind of doesn't matter that she exists because they're going to die. Yeah, anyway. like your whole yeah, <laughs> revolution lineage. Happen. Mm, they're not. They're not too healthy. <laughs> yeah, dirty it is. It can work, but they're not too healthy. Yeah, it's not a pretty world out there. It's rough and tumble. They're going to be like Salarians. Is that what they're called? Oh, Corians. You're thinking Corians, of Corians, damn. Mass Effect. Yeah, yes. the ones with poor immune systems. I made a Geth reference. You didn't mention. You didn't even wink at me. I was disappointed. I heard it. Oh, did you? Okay, I was proud of you. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I'm just, self-conscious about talking about Mass Effect on the show now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you never out over, overstayed your welcome with that. Yes. Um, so he wants it to be true. He wants to be special, which means that he is right. Um, snow falls on his hand when he walks outside that office. And he's again, he's seeing the world through different eyes at this point. And I thought so the snow's down falling on his hand. It looked very similar to the rebirth of joy with mm-hmm. the rain falling on her hand. Um yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And then we cut back to the apartment. He goes to tell Joy, you're right. I'm Joe. And she's like, hold up. Hold that thought. I bought us a hooker to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> and so then so we the get the scene where Joy. visuals ever. Take it away. Ever. It's so dope. Andy loves the scene. It, well, it's like the scene from uh, her with Scarlett Johansson. She hires a hooker to come in and bang Joaquin Phoenix. Only it, he's listening. Make love, Andrew. <laughs> he's listening to her in the his The intimacy ear. of these scenes are so undercut. We're like, they come and they bang. Yeah. They're about to bone. They, they go to P-Town. I, uh, Population um, them. Uh, but yeah, so it uh, is the actress whose name I'm never going to remember, but the cute 
prostitute girl Mariette? with the pink hair. Mariette, Mariette is the, the actress. Uh, I can't character. remember her name. She's so know. wonderful. Did we ever say that? She's so wonderful. Anyway, she comes in and she happens to be about the same build and height as Anna de Armas. Thank goodness. And then Anna de Armas like projects herself onto Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis. Of. Thank you. Uh, projects herself. Oh, onto she's so good in the Kristen Mackenzie Stewart movie. Davis. Happiest season. Anyway, sorry. Uh, and then there's like this beautiful like moving hands trying to get in sync with one another. And then like they take their clothes off, but they're wearing completely different outfits. But and that's kind of like when they really do get in sync and like the faces kind of meld and it's like, OK, now it's really Anna Armas. But when it goes into like the heavy petting, if you will, mm-hmm. the, the touching, like there's hands upon hands, like flowing over each other. And like it's so gorgeous the way it's shot. Like it, it, it looks like. I don't know if you were having sex on an insane amount of acid or something. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've done. It's um, very similar to it's, that. It's a very beautiful scene because it's not. Um, oh yeah, there's not, no nudity in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's 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 haunting. It's hauntingly beautiful and and uh, uncomfortable, but also like something you can tell that he yeah. wanted because he's like in this relationship, a committed relationship with a non-physical being. So, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's beautiful. beautiful. Uh, I noticed, I picked on something, this viewing that I had before, but when they lean into, when they start kissing, mm-hmm. um, the Anna Darmus, Mackenzie Davis are, they get Their slightly angles out of sync. Are different. Yeah. Um, but what you can tell is Anna Darmus is, playing eyes role. closed eyes passionately closed, kissing super passionate Mackenzie Davis's just eyes watching. open kind of looking off to the right or looking at him like just eyeing him up because she's there she's to spy just, on him she's just watching and uh yeah, that was such a good like small minor mm-hmm. touch that they threw in there um yeah it's a very beautiful very beautiful scene it's, it's a technical marvel like this scene alone mm-hmm. is probably what earned the film the special effects oscar yeah, for sure and it was such a and there's literally no pun intended here at all. It's just such a ballsy move. Um, like in conception, when writing this scene, it's, it's bizarre, right? Like I, I just can't imagine pitching it to my crew. Mm-hmm. Like she's, it's, you guys seen her, right? I guess that's how you do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just think it's, it's really, it could have been so hokey and so poorly done. And it's, it's, it's gorgeous. But in Roger Deacon's hands, my dude. And then the next day, uh, they wake up and she finds the little toy horse sitting there, which is made of wood, which I didn't even think of. But that's very strange. There are no trees. So Mackenzie Davis's character, Mariette, probably has never seen anything made of wood. So if that little horse was super valuable, how fucking valuable was that tree at that farm? You know what I'm saying? Set it on fire. Right. Well, it was dead wood. It was which is a good show, but apparently not as valuable. Because someone did. Uh, there was a picture and they were like, oh, I've never seen a tree before. And. Ryan Gosling was trying to, it's dead. Like it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's not special. It's dead. But even, but in this world, it was Mariette. It was Mariette that said that. It was Mariette. Okay. Um, so at that point, joy was like, Hey, we're done with you hooker. Get out of here. Um, Oh, I know. And she's like, I've been inside of you. There isn't as much in there as you think. Which is funny because I read that as Mariette is a replicant. And so isn't it interesting that she is doing to joy what humans do to her. And isn't that how life really is, right? A lot of people, unfortunately, shit on anyone they can find below them, right? To make themselves feel better because all they are is shit on by the people above them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found that like an extra layer. Like, what do you mean? Why are you training her like that? You're doing this whole revolution and shit and then you shitting on her. Yeah. She ain't hurt nobody. She's so sweet. Look at her. Um, so that's <laughs> how I read it. Like it's, it's kind of a different subtext with her mm-hmm. being a replicant. And there's also a great, uh, the way Anna Armas plays that scene is even though like she set this whole thing up, you can tell she's 
still jealous that she can actually participate yeah. in that as well. Cause she did that for Ryan Gosling, but she doesn't get the, I assume she doesn't get, well, she the, did get to kind of experience she him can't feeling really, something and kind of witnessing that. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, but she, she can't, she's not the she body come. that he interacted with. Yes. Technically. Yes. She uh, didn't get that she level was of intimacy. A facade. Seemingly on from people describing the character online. She definitely is a replicant. Sweet. Just in character descriptions. Sure. Whatnot. So yeah, your there shit, your shit lands. Um, then, so this, this is when he goes to doc badger, the captain. Dope names. There. Mr. Cotton, doc badge. You know what I'm saying? And he analyzes the wood Decker for King. a level of radiation that can only exist in Las Vegas. So he goes to Vegas, uh, Las Vegas, baby. And he uses his car drone to scan some heat signatures, find some bees, visa V concordly, ergo, there's Decker Kane. <laughs> sure. Um, in this massive city, we found one guy very quickly because we're fucking right. K slash Joe. Okay. Um, we get a pretty cool fight scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, I told Steve, I don't know if you were outside yet or not, but I think this is the hardest I've seen Harrison Ford actually try. I heard you saying that as I was stepping out <laughs> in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. I, mean, I didn't watch that dog movie, but I imagine he phoned <laughs> that in. <laughs> it's fair. Uh, I just think he's really selling it, you know, probably more than in the 82 version. Especially in, <laughs> in these scenes in Vegas, I think, is where he's at, at his best. Yeah. After Vegas, he kind of bleeds into the background a bit. In the climax, he, he literally at one point was just kind of looking around him. <laughs> like There's water. <laughs> it's bad. What if the voiceover from the theatrical cut kicked in? I found myself in a car that was slowly drowning. <laughs> but cars don't drown. People do. <laughs> And that's what I am. A Wink. That's <laughs> pretty good. How did I find myself here? Ryan Gosling brought me here. <laughs> it was his fault. They offered me $15 million. <laughs> yeah, there's this really interesting scene uh, where well, he feeds his, his dog booze. But before that, they, they have this shootout slash slug fest uh, in an old uh, like nightclub of, of a casino. And the, yeah. apparently in the future, they had been using holog- holographic versions of Elvis and um, who was the other Liberace. one? Liberace. <laughs> all, the, all the great Vegas performers. And instead of having people dress up like them, they just created holograms. So those are kind of glitching in and out mm-hmm. and, and, and as they fight. I heard that scene was a nightmare to edit just because it's a fight scene, the but lights. also there's lighting going crazy. Yeah. So they had to try to make it consistent and there's holograms going in and out and glitching all around them. But, uh, kind of backtracking a little bit. Uh, they have a really cool, um, uh, uh, call back to treasure Island where he's like, mm-hmm. Hope you got some cheese boy. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I like that little callback. Deckard misses cheese. He does. But then we find out K reads fiction. So that's something new sort it of reads pretty cool. It reads. <laughs> um, I, I think we interpreted a scene. I, I took this from the way you guys were talking about it next to me, but the way that I took this scene, cause I, I think you said something like, uh, he just got his ass beat or something, but the way I took it was, wait, who got his ass beat? K. Oh, okay. Uh, but the way I took it was Harrison Ford's character Deckard eventually was like, I'm unable to hurt this thing. I think oh, we no, just for go sure. Talk. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> so what I asked was there's, um, when they were filming that there was this time when he accidentally actually punched Ryan oh, Gosling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, I, I was like, I wasn't sure if I, I didn't see one where it looked like he actually definitely got hit. I didn't think that that would like he got his ass beat there at all. It's yeah, I don't know if ninety I, year old man. I don't know if they actually used the take where he got punched. Bummer. It might be, but apparently, yeah, Harrison Ford accidentally did punch Gosling, 
And uh, to make it up to him, he uh, invited him to his trailer and they had some scotch together. Had some sex. <laughs> I don't know where you were going with that to make it up to him. I want to fuck your old ass. <laughs> Locked in my trailer. <laughs> Five foot eleven tall drink of water. I wanted to make with amends to those sad eyes. eyes. Yeah. I couldn't help it. I couldn't say no. I said I can be Rachel McAdams. The for director 10 said we were needed on set, and I told him, Denis, give me two minutes. And we made sweet, sweet love. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Or as Andy says, banged. We banged. Shatner. <laughs> I was gonna Damn it. I always have these eloquent ways to bring stuff back, and then Andy hops in before I can. I'm sorry. I was gonna that. do a whole scenario. He wanted me to tell him a joke to get him in the mood. And then Andy just Shatner. <laughs> just, there's no subtlety in you, boy. Oh, that was good. Um, they do battle. There's some Elvis. That was my note. Um, he lets him punch him until he realizes it's going nowhere. Uh, and then we cut to, they're drinking some whiskey and I, I, I thought with the yellow coloration, the desert background, the general apocalyptic vibe, this little interrogation yeah. felt like a Western to me. And with Harrison Ford, I thought it was really cool. It's really every, cool everything vibes. Everything in Vegas, I think will be used uh, in like every single cinematography <laughs> film school class. Like, look, be Roger Deakins. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll get right on it. I'll do me best because <laughs> it's going to be an Irishman. Um, sometimes to love someone, you got to be a stranger or give them the stranger. Depends on how you t- interpret mm-hmm. that line. Mm-hmm. So you sit on your hand till, you f- till it falls asleep exactly. and then you give him a hand job? I, I thought that's what he was saying. <laughs> For sure. Her J's name is, Joy's name is J-O-I. Um, so burst. <laughs> they call it the stranger. One of my favorite like fun parts of this movie is when um, Love and her team from Wallace Corporation show up and uh, the dog runs. Like, fuck you guys. Uh, Harrison selfishly, because I mean, it's Harrison Ford, but also Deckard Cain's like that. He doesn't really know this guy yet. Um, runs down the hallway through the door, closes the door, and he's going to his escape vehicle, escape spinner. And I then, decided I had to kick rocks. <laughs> and then Cage just bursts through the brick wall. Oh my god, I love that! I'm so coming much. to you. <laughs> it's it's awesome. The door. He bursts through the door next to it. Like, Don't leave me. It's really awesome. It's a fun moment. Uh, but the, uh, unfortunately, they shoot a torpedo straight at the vehicle, uh, which knocks them both. Uh, plotly unconscious and <laughs> plotly unconscious. He's suffering from a plot unconsciousness. Consciousness. And Wallace Corp just takes Deckard, leaves uh, the main character who's much stronger, very much alive for some reason. He stands up, kills three of them. But uh, Love pops up behind him and discovers his little joystick. Oh my God. Joystick. Oh, it's a joystick. God. It's been there that whole time. The whole wow. time. Oh, wow. Such a low hanging Just waiting for someone to come and to pick it. Pluck it. <laughs> but it's like the apple from Eden. It needn't be bitten. Oh my goodness. What have you wrought? What have you wrought? <laughs> um, and then we get the strangest, most endearing death scene, uh, perhaps in all of cinema. Because we have a completely fictional, seemingly feelingless AI hologram lady, hologram projection video game uh, that makes you want to cry because mm-hmm. uh, love stomps it and she, I love you. And she's cut out. She's deleted. She kills joy. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a testament to Anna Armas that that is heart wrenching to watch. Um, and then. His fucking eye, he's like immobile, only half conscious, but you can just see him shatter in that moment. Um, what? 
Shatner. Oh, Shatner. Yeah. You're just <laughs> God damn. Nothing can help you. Are you are out of Get control. Word, Shat. Nothing is, can is, help you. tonight. <laughs> um, so Fraser finds him because we forgot to mention that Mariette hid a tracking device in his jacket. So um, the revolutionary uh, hooker replicants save him. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm starting a revolution. Here's the... <laughs> peace, <laughs> peace off, Wallace. Uh, <laughs> I took out my eye. Yeah, see? So that they couldn't skin me. It's in the other eye, too. Fuck. 40, 40 chess. <laughs> what if it was in the other one? <laughs> so I guess it's only in one eye. Uh, here's the line that I wanted to mention. She says, and I quote, Sapper, that's why Sapper let you kill him. Yeah. As in, he could have won that fight if he wanted to. That is not the impression I get watching that fight. Yeah, he seemed to try pretty hard. He seems to try rather hard and get dispatched rather quickly by some very vigorous throat punches. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe she's referring to the fact that he just didn't go quietly. He just was like, I'm going to die or go or get taken to the police station. So I'll just die. Well, it definitely maybe. was not going to let him capture. Okay. Him. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Cause I felt like not only did he seem to try rather hard, uh, K seemed to not as any, just put his gun on the table instantly and was like, all right, let's go. You know? <laughs> yeah, he, well, he was like, I, if taking you in as an option, I definitely would didn't want to much prefer to do that. Sure. Um, He's like, no, nah, it's not an option. And then we get the heartbreaking moment right after he loses his girlfriend. Hey, you're also not the baby. You're not the baby. You're not a rapper. Um, you have the baby. <laughs> oh, damn it. Uh, oh, what a bone baby. And she's like really sympathetic. <laughs> she's really sympathetic. Like, oh, did you think it was you? You imagined it was you. We all imagined it was us. That's why we believe. And I love that line. Um, like, that's, that's why we believe, right? That's so, why they rebelled too. That's the future we all want. Maybe did they all find the wooden horse? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many horses. They keep planting the horse. These Decker's carve. That's why he carved so many. Mine was a lion. <laughs> <laughs> but a headless residence with the first film. That's why I'm a background character. <laughs> Apparently, all the wooden animals that were in Decker's apartment that he had carved are all animals that that letter spells out Rachel. So there's like an elephant and a lion and a, a raccoon, rhino. A rhino. Yeah, right? there was a rhino. What other letters Ardvark. are in Rachel? I don't, I don't, know. I don't remember what the A An was. Anteater. A cheetah. Uh, oh, there's a C as well. I thought you were jumping on A with us. Uh. And, <laughs> oh, no. Andy's an idiot. <laughs> oh, no. A cheetah. It's got an A at the end. Ish. I can name animals, too. <laughs> Elephant. Bumblebee. <laughs> Candyman. Candyman. By the way, I did shout out Candyman when the Bumblebee showed up. Thank yeah. you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. It. So then we get Deckard being interviewed by Wallace. We're toward the end of the film now. Don't worry. Um, we, he realizes that he's not going to get anything from him. He tries to lure him with a uh, recreated Rachel, which is pretty good on Candy Valley, right? Yeah, they, yeah, not bad. They didn't get that actress back. So that Definitely was not. 100% like They also CGI did not work. literally DH her. So, yeah. But they did get the poof digitally recreated correctly. Oh man, they, they got the poof good the with the shorts, all hair strands, with hairs. Yeah, yeah, that was dope. Yeah, which distracts your attention from some of the defects in the face and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but I love that line. You think he's got him, like, oh no. I mean, you don't really, but it's it's almost believable that he's actually swooning. And then he's like, her eyes were green, and right. <laughs> it's like that's not her. I'm over it. That's, that's awesome. I think her eyes really were well actually done. brown the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> this is the narrator now. But I didn't want to give him the satisfaction. <laughs> 
I don't remember what color her eyes were. This creepy blind asshole. I just thought I would fuck with him. <laughs> it's funny that he's blind now. Not that that's always funny in every, every, <laughs> every scenario. <laughs> I just meant that he can't see the eyes. So he's like, shit, really? <laughs> that's all. Ah, fuck. <laughs> it's not even Rachel. It's just a cheetah. <laughs> what does this do for you? Um... Kind of confused. It's a cool cat, I guess. I brought, I brought you into my 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 living room pool <laughs> to have a nice conversation know, with he you. Decorates that place, um, and then love just dispatches vigorously and violently the now useless replicant of Rachel. Uh, and anyway, but they have this conversation I alluded to earlier, um, where he's like, "What you know? Do you ever think about the fact that you were designed?" to fall in love with her at that moment. And this is all on purpose from Tyrell is what the implication is, right? Mm, and so yeah. now we're like, oh shit, he's just going straight full on, you're a replicant. And they said, if you were designed, you know? <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, okay, Deneva, I really respect your commitment to the ambiguity of the first film. That's yes. very well done. Uh, that was, toying with the audience. That was the biggest thing I was worried about a sequel to Blade Runner was that they would interrupt that ambiguity. And the I'm glad that they, they, kept it, they kept it there. Um, and then other great lines from Jared Leto, uh, pain reminds you the joy you felt was real, which is just really random and shit. Like he really doesn't know him that well, but I appreciated it. Like, I'm not going to torture you at least at first. It's interesting that he didn't say that to, uh, Joe or Kay. Yeah. Because joy died. Yes. But she was real. And you would think the, the names joy and love would be really on the nose, but it doesn't come off that way at all. Mm -mm. No. no, I don't. Maybe it's the off spellings. I'm For not sure. sure. <laughs> That's what saves it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, then we have uh, a very heartbroken, confused, bloody K walking through the city. And then we get giant joy, um, which is just this. I don't know how you guys interpreted it, but it's an advertisement. No, that's exactly what it is. But I just mean like the purpose of it in the film. Um, I, I, the purpose I, of the kind, film, the purpose of it, I think, is to dictate that his joy was very much that either he customized her through their relationship, but she is definitely her own person. Yes. Because this version of joy obviously looks different, but also it, it's voiced by a different person. That's not Ana de Armas's voice. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, that's not him. That's not his joy. What his joy, what he and her had were special. She was her own individual thing and he loved her to some extent, but also kind of plays a little bit devil's advocate too, because she leans down and says, you look like a good Joe. Yes. Which mm -hmm. is like, Oh, that's just programmed in her to say Joe. That's the way you took it. Yeah. hundred percent. The that, advertisement called him Joe. That is part of it. But uh, as we're going to get to in the, in, into the point or later on in the movie, um, I think the movie makes a good point of like, yes, you are a robot. You are designed to do specific functions, but the human element that makes you, you is that you mm -hmm. make a choice and her you choice. You can spin on that. Like I, I took it like she spun her, that programming of Joe into something unique. And like, she's constantly telling Kay that he's special, but it really, mm -hmm. she's special. Well, yeah. But she made the choice when this is what makes her more human is she made the choice, like delete me off of the server and carry mm -hmm. me with you. Even mm -hmm. though I know oh, the that's risk. the most human thing you can do. Yeah. She made mm -hmm. the choice to put herself at more risk to save him. Yeah. Good call, Steve. I know my movies. Could <laughs> be all Steve. I feel it. And I like the choice that, I've, and the reason I'm leaning towards like uh, what Steve was saying on that scene, just because like, I was, I didn't think of that until just now the way he articulated it, honestly, but it was an interesting choice to have her eyes 
Yeah, they were like black. Deleted mm-hmm. or blackened or opaque or whatever. It was almost like this is the soulless version, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing, mm-hmm. there's no joy in me. LOL. Because eyes are a big part of Blade Runner. Indeed. Movies. And humans. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's where the, that's the we window to the to soul. See. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that good, TV Andy. <laughs> like that TV show the actors in. Um, so then we get the, uh, so then Kay's like all of a sudden super badass and just tie fighters <laughs> all the other entourage that's escorting deckard quote-unquote off world to be tortured um in a wet and sloshy place we don't really know where yeah some kind of dam we're almost there turn around yeah yes yeah, i said turn yeah. around i didn't say land yeah, on this why'd thing? you land in the water <laughs> you're a terrible pilot um the showdown with love is the way i, read I it. love the showdown with love i love that set piece of the of this you know almost all glass car halfway like on the like beached up halfway so like the waves are crashing on top yeah. of the window and then it's sloshing back into the car very itself. dramatic and it's pitch blackout so the only light is coming from that car the car lights so cool mm. such a cool visual my one of my favorite moments is when she beats the shit out of k uh and seemingly takes him out or she was, kicks him in the face so many times and stabs him and then stabs him again and slices upward on his other side um he falls in the water and she says I'm the best one, mm-hmm. which is her fervent desire is all of them. And all of us as humans is to be unique, be special, right? She really just wants to be the very best. Like no one ever was mm-hmm. uh, catch them all to catch them. Meaning K uh-huh. uh, is her real test. Sure. Uh, to train the Mr. Cause what? Who's seen trainings, Dave Shatner? Uh, <laughs> gotta catch them all. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, it's, I think that Sylvia hoaxes performance and like, she just says that with such emotion, like I done it. like, it's just like, it's, it's, it's I in her it. eyes. You get that reference. Dream catcher. Yeah, man. She's bringing out a random ass. She's that's her dream. You did Pokemon. <laughs> Jason Lee. Yeah, like from three people have seen. That's true. <laughs> I've seen it too though. That's us. All yeah. everyone yeah, in this room. It was us. Go Stephen King. Um, so yeah, we all know what happens next, except for those that didn't watch the movie and for some reason are still listening to this. Um, he gets in the car, rescues uh, Deckard, and, and then drowns. says, hey, I love the drowning. You should have let me die. I did die. Oh, you mean when he drowns love? Yeah. Yeah, that was like vicious. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect him to switch places like that, even mm-hmm. though I'd already seen it. Yeah, I love how he's, uh, he's, it starts off, he's choking her like against the ceiling of the car, but yeah. he's like underwater. And so yeah, he like turns a table and puts her underwater and chokes her there. And then I love the way they shoot it. Cause like the, the water's being disturbed mm-hmm. from her perspective and she can't see him, but as it's she dies, scary drowning. the the water becomes still and you can like see very clearly. It's oh, it's, it's crazy. Beautiful. And it's realistic too. Cause in a lot of movies they're like, okay, they're drowned. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, he's like still holding her there for it's a, like a little man. while. Like like she's like half. grimacing, Gotta like make trying sure. to fight and shit. Yeah. You're dead because you you're super mean. <laughs> and okay, you're good. I'm going to go see the other guy. Meanwhile, Harrison Ford's just kind of looking around. He's in the literally looking around. It's so bad if you there's, go back and watch it. There's so much water here. You turn the tables on her. <laughs> I wasn't doing so hot myself, but what are you going to do? Seatbelts <laughs> designed to protect me, but would in fact drown me um screw you ralph nader is all i'm gonna say so then he says i once crashed an airplane too (laughs) screw you ralph i've crashed several (laughs) airplanes uh you actually did drown now i can take you to see your daughter he's like oh sweet i like seeing my daughter so they hop in the car spinner 
and they go to a the snowbound bubble refuge of Dr. Anna. And uh, I love how this movie ends because mm-hmm. we get, uh, you know, somewhere in the, in the previous scene, it was said uh, to to sacrifice yourself for a good cause is the most human thing you can do. I think that was Fresa. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So he lays all bloody on the steps in a way that looks really comfortable. Like I've never laid up steps before, but it looks yeah, like he it makes it look great. And especially in the snow, which Take should be there. even less comfortable, but it makes it look more comfortable. I Maybe know, it's the sad eyes. I don't know if you guys do this, but if it's, if there's a nice light snow like that and I can afford myself the opportunity to do this, I will lay down and just stare up in the sky and let the snow fall on me. That's a sure. very cathartic feeling. It's a fair thing to do. Yeah. That's a fair, that's, I don't think I do that, but I want to now. I haven't done it. I mean, let's do it. Can we vow this snow. summer to lay in the snow together? Let's, let's pick you want to lay in the snow this summer. <laughs> Did I say summer? Yeah, that'll be hard to do. How about we do it in the winter? That's, yeah, that's let's change idea. plans. I'll, yeah, I'll put that in my notebook or calendar. Notebook. Is that a Gosling reference? You dog. Nice. It really wasn't. It's was just I can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, as Kay lay dying, Deckard walks in the bubble room where his daughter says, give me a second. She's working on of all things, more snow inside. And she turns around and says, beautiful, isn't it? And we all know he's going to agree, but he's going to be talking about something else. He's going to be talking about, yeah, seeing my daughter it is beautiful. Um, little hand on the glass action. And then the movie ends. Where am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause his dementia set in, unfortunately. <laughs> I couldn't find the handle to the door. <laughs> so I made an educated guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh beautiful ending though then real. curtains on blade runner 2049 which after talking about it with you guys i know i was pretty confident earlier but i'm super confident now this is one of my most favorite movies of all time it is wonderful mm-hmm. absolutely this is beautiful. such a it's abs- it's purely amazing what denis Villeneuve was able to do with making a sequel to one of the most beloved films of all time and making it you know, honor the film, but also make its own thing. Mm. And it's nothing short of incredible what he achieves with this movie. It's almost like Dune is going to be something very similar. Uh, can we just have Denis, nobody said would work, be one of the most wonderful things ever made. Can Denis Villeneuve just make a whole career out of like taking pop cult classic 80s sci-fi movies and making them somehow better? I mean, they already <laughs> did Total Recall again, so I'm not sure. But has Denis Villeneuve done Denis Villeneuve's it? RoboCop. I would watch that. Mm-hmm. I, would I would watch, watch that. that too. I, I do agree with Andy that he would have made a wonderful Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. I'd watch that shit. You, would, you it, watch anything Star Wars. I, I mean, that's true. I didn't watch the bad. <laughs> you just head. watched Visions. I did. Which is really good, I bet. It is. Uh, so that brings our Blade Runner coverage to a close. We'll let you know our thoughts on Dune, I'm sure, as we see it. I do have my tickets. Uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, however, I do want to remind you guys, uh, if... You can find, if you like these deep dive episodes, mm-hmm. we do special uh, editions. We have bonus episodes on our Patreon. So go sign up for Patreon. We have a poll right now. So sign up for Patreon. Vote on what the next movie we do for our Patreon episodes will be. It could be The Goonies. It could be True Romance. It could be The Island. It could be uh, what Collateral. Collateral. It could be any of those four. And if you want to hear us do an episode on those, go to Patreon, vote, and uh, listen. Patreon.com slash streaming things. Quick reminder, way to think of it. Five bucks for access to our polls here at Streaming Things. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this week. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Shatner. I hardly know him. One for the road, bro.
Shatner. I barely know her. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Oh, it made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> We're fucking kindergartners. <laughs> oh, God. Stay away, William Shatner, guys. <laughs> Andy's crying right now. Why did William do that? Chris is crying, too. <laughs> oh, my God. That's Quit uh, making fun of my name. So the Star Trek guy got went to space. <laughs> he did. Captain Kirk. I'm good. We're good. Release the Kraken. Got that on my system. The Shatner thing. <laughs> I thought that's what it was. <laughs> I was. Are you really laughing at the Shatner thing? <laughs> that was a half hour ago. Oh. I was letting you work through it till you pulled that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like no one can see you. That you were. <laughs> they just assume you're listening. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Anyway, go ahead. No, get it out. I know I'm there's good. one more coming. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> See?